Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And we continue our run into the finals box head. Uh, three weeks out now, a couple more games on the weekend with some finals implication and a few more spanners thrown in the works by a couple of teams that are no longer in the contention. Yeah, as I said, don't read the look at the draw. They're all more often than they're the games that uh, upsets occurring. And sure enough, again, the Tigers and the Knights, who are considered the also runs of. Upset sides on the weekend, so... Well, I'm going to throw it out there. Anyone who messaged us not long ago, anyone who questioned Nathan Brown, give yourself a triple. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a genius or anything, but any suggestions or anyone that supported the fact that he should have been fired, a uh, fan, outsider, whatever, if, seriously, anyone that considered that five weeks ago, whatever it was, and we are talking about it, should dead set, just give themselves a bloody nose. Mm. Um, that was ludicrous to even consider it. I'll say it before and I'll say it again. They're 18 months into Nathan Brown. They were looking like it was going to take three years just to fix the salary cap. The fact that he fixed that and offloaded all the dodgy contracts within a year and a half is outstanding. Yeah, They've blooded all those kids. They're in a great situation. They've bought players for market value and they've got plenty of top uh, 25 or 30 spots if it's going to be that next year to make some moves. And we know a few clubs under pressure right now. They're waiting to swoop. And all of a sudden, they're winning games of football because these yep. younger guys have done that dirty bit of work. They're starting to finish off games better with that experience they're going to get. And they're going to be even better at the start of next year, you hope, with a few of those guys coming in and this confidence they're building heading into the end of the season. Yeah, and the that. Tigers, um, again, anyone that questioned Ivan Cleary or brought up the Penrith stuff, we've been going on about that for three years, and I think we both stick by what we said. He never should have been fired. That was the wrong big mistake, and I think the Tigers will reap the rewards. I know it's only early days there again, but um, outstanding coach. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, doing good things at the Tigers, building slowly. Yeah, and similar deal. He doesn't have the players uh, that he's got. He doesn't. He's got the exact same squad that they had at the start of the year, uh, but he's turned things around. Minus Mitchell Moses, exactly. So if anything, and he's got his own players coming in, quick turnaround. But those two clubs, I think, uh, in the next year or two, are going to be in much better situations purely for that. It all starts at the top. Yeah, exactly. Um, So outstanding to see those results on the weekend. But set of six, and I'm sure this is going to come up a lot, and a lot of people are not going to want to hear it, and. Uh, I've looked at the fan questions that's been in there a fair bit and probably one more close to you, Henry and Hayne. Uh, we have to talk about it. Yeah. So that's tackle one. This whole situation, what do you what do you make of it? Uh, I think you'd probably be more on the side than I am that things were going very, very well. Neil Henry comes in. We know he's a old school kind of coach. Everyone's equal. You all do hard work. You chip in. Some say that's what cost him his job at uh, North Queensland because they got a bit sick of hearing the same voice and trying to run a particular structure and not give a little bit of freedom. Um, you know, Paul Green comes in, they do win that comp. Say what you will, but here they're kind of putting that influence again, that that kind of style of coach has come in. They were doing well, they were building nicely last year, but all of a sudden Jared Hayden comes in and, you know, he's trying to punish everybody or make the group accountable for what Jared's doing, but you can't get Jared under control. 
But at the same time, I throw back, and I'm sure you agree, and I've read this today, which is my big problem. If it, if you are a coach and a board just brings someone in for sponsorship, jerseys, money, and all the rest of it, you've got the wrong idea how to run a football club, if that's all you're worried about. Yeah. And I think they set him up to fail by bringing in someone who we know is an individual and has had things said about him in the past and has shown that this is the way he operates. I think the fault, the error has been giving Jared Hayne the option. That's the error in all this. Uh, if the option was in the, the Titans, error, full stop. No, if the, if the t- option was in the Titans' favour, this would be a non-event because it would just be, see you later, Jared, you're gone. Um, the experiment didn't work, but he's got a gun to the Titans' head. And I've got no doubt that like yesterday... The conversation would have been that I don't really want to be here. Neil Henry obviously doesn't want me, yada, yada, yada. So there's one or two things that have happened. The board's decided that they're going to sack Neil Henry, which is, has been reported today, uh, which I don't agree with. Um, or they've gone in there and they've said, Jared Haynes agreed to go, but Jared Haynes said, well, you've got to pay me out that year because he is in my favour. If you want me to go, you pay me out. Yeah. And I get that from his his point of view. So... All in all, the the board the error in all this is from the board to oh, give so. to give Hayne the extra year and to give it the option in his favour. And I get that that probably would have got the deal over the line, but uh, look, is Jared Hayne playing to the value of one point two million dollars on the salary cap? Absolutely not. Has Neil Henry had the greatest year coaching? No. Uh, the thing that concerns me is that there's other players that are siding with Hayne in all this. That's my big issue. That, that, to me, tells me that this issue is bigger than just that of Jared Hayne and Jared Hayne being signed. So is it the fact that Jared Hayne's bitching and moaning and being cancerous behind the scenes and has dogged Neil Henry? Uh, I don't know. It's either that or there is an issue with Neil Henry's coaching and that's a job for the board to sort out and try and work out. It's not an easy thing to have to do, I can imagine, but um, to me, it looks to me like... They're just going to side with the player, um, try and ask the coach. But I think if that's the case and that's what they're doing and that's what the players are doing here, that it's not going to improve their performance. Well, and it's, you know, they might get rid of Neil Henry in, on this occasion and it is a lot easier to fire him and it's a, be a lot cheaper and uh, some would say less disruption. But, but you're the running. other thing is also, Haynes not going to be there at the end of next year. No. Whether, whether, whether the Titans think he will, if, if the Titans think that moving the coach on to appease Hayne for a year is going to fix him long-term. It's going to create a bigger problem in that next year he's going to leave and you're going to be left without your marquee player and without what I consider... Well, I heard I heard MG and Maddie and that talking this morning about Garth Brennan. If Garth Brennan had been the coach to go up there, like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Now he, that's not the answer. To, to go and manage Jared Hayne. Jared Hayne's had seven coaches sacked. Seven coaches sacked. The issue here is that, that, that all the all the power lays with Jared Hayne. They could have bloody Wayne Bennett go up there. Well, it actually, it'd only be a Wayne Bennett or a Craig Bellamy that could win in this situation. Outside of that, no one's winning. No, but this is where I'm going to go back to and what I'm getting at for all of this. It's the board's fault, full stop, at the start, which is what I mentioned before. To give him yeah, the kick off here. Everything was going nicely. Is we're building a half-decent culture. You only paid market value again. You got a couple of guys to come in mid-year last year that were smart moves. They were winning. They were working as a group and everything was all good. But the turning point, and again, being a former player and your one as well, I had a coach who ran a similar kind of style yeah, of this. Not former first grade player. No, not that. But I've been involved in this environment again where you've got somebody who breaks the mould and you've all been punished for it. But most people fall in the line. 
Yeah, we've and all been there. Most people listening have been there in some shape or form, whether it's in a workplace or whether it's at school or whether it's at wherever. You get punished for someone else's actions. Yeah, but if you're siding, and this is the problem I'm saying with the club full stop, if the players are purely siding with Hayne because of Henry's actions and, and the club siding there, go back to what you said, full stop. The board is the one at fault. They're the ones who brought him in, thought about the dollar, not thought about the side, which was building nicely and things were ticking along well, and have just completely ruptured any progress you've yeah, made. Yeah, I, I get why they signed him. Yeah, I, I don't mind him signing him. I don't well, have I an issue problem with it. With it at the I, start. Well, I don't because he's potentially he could have been a game changer for the side. I get why they signed him. The error was that they gave him the option. They gave him the power. So now he's got the club by the balls. Forget if, the if option. If it was just for a year. To sort of say, right, we'll sign you for the year, see how it goes. You know, he plays well, he signed a long-term deal, all good. All good. But at the moment, it's like, well, it's clearly not working, but hang on, I've got $1.2 million in my favour, so I'm going to hold the gun to your head. He's holding the club to ransom. I get that, but forget that full stop. Before they bring him in, things are moving in the right direction. They bring him in, everything has just been shit downhill since. It doesn't fix anything because he's now ruptured the group, which was all united and seen what things are moving. Well, we don't know You that. pay I, your coach out, that, that doesn't matter. That's 400000 or so. The next year he leaves, you're right off next season full stop. Anyway, that's 1.2. And the biggest problem to come from all this is the one player that you really need to keep, I reckon he's leaving now, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's already made his mind up, which is Ash Taylor. And the way I'm looking at it, this move by the board, which is why I'm going back to that original moment, where if uh, Henry didn't want him, they should have at least you know consulted him because things were starting to build in the right direction. They've ruined you long term. I think we're a bit naive to believe that. I, I think if, if people don't think that they haven't consulted Ash Taylor on this, they're kidding themselves. No, I'm not Ash Taylor that. would have had part in, in this and he would have been consulted on who the issue is and he would have had... A say, and from what I'm reading in between the lines, he's he's siding with Jared Hayne. Well, that's he, that's he what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm reading into it. I believe that the board believes that to sack Neil Henry will keep Ash Taylor. That's what. That's the only so. reason. That's the only reason I can. I can. Oh, that's what I'm reading between the lines here. You got to think about it, big picture. They're they're doing at the moment. I don't, I don't think the board's playing the game to keep Jared Hayne. They're playing the game to try and keep Ash Taylor. Well, I've already seen this big picture. I've seen Mitch Moses and these guys say they want Jason Taylor gone, and they all left. That's what I've seen. Yeah, I think that was more and because the players they shouldn't be they, in this they situation. Sat on their hands to sign a coach, and I still think that the only reason Taylor left the Broncos in the first place was to get an opportunity in first grade, and he's going to go back there. And I don't think any of this situation is helping you guys. Full stop. Mm. And I think this all started when Jared Hayne came in. I think it comes more back to the former side. And I still think he doesn't. If, you look at the roster. And Ash Taylor's going, oh, we're not winning in the next couple of years. We're not going yeah, anywhere. Take major all in the next that out and years. go back to the original point. Like I said, before he got there, they yeah, were building it, as a team. They yeah, worked that. as a team. Everyone that. was equal. But we weren't winning a comp. In, yeah, but you bring we overachieved to person, make the eight. This one person. And we didn't make the eight. We finished ninth and got in because Parramatta got the arse. Well, I'm still sitting here and I'm sticking by it. The him turning up was the turning point. And it slowly eroded through the group. And it probably has turned a few people against Henry because of the way he's tried to handle I'll it. I get and, that. And beat it out of him. And I reckon it's turned them in Hayne's favour in the wrong sense. I think the whole playing the group, also that's why they're backing him. The club also can't say to Neil Henry, you've got total control of the roster. No, not if they total think control. that it's the right thing to do to sign Hayne, then they, the, the board made that call above Henry. And that's their fault. And yeah, but not, not, for, not for the performances of the rest of the squad. No, but I'm saying this... The performances of Jared Hayne haven't been good enough. We can all acknowledge that. Yeah, but but it's... the performance of the team... Isn't up to standard. No, I'm not defending the performance. They've been terrible as and well. And that comes but back to the coach. This rupture and this downgrade in performance and the effort and the culture that was building with Henry has started with him getting there 
these punishments at training. No, I disagree. I think it's come the friction the between the two, and they've all grown frustrated with Henry trying to get Hayne no, before the end of kind of communist setup. It's losing. And it hasn't worked. No, well, he's losing. not helping them. No, I agree. That that's that's what I mean. So the board's got to take responsibility. In fact, they've they've paid him, and he's not performing. However, the other pieces are still there. Jared yeah. Hayne isn't the sole. It's a, it's not an individual sport. He's not the sole reason other blokes aren't having a go on the field and aren't playing up to the standard that they were last year. Like I'm watching Taylor, I'm watching LG, I'm watching Pete's. LG they're didn't all play not last year. They're all not playing. No, I'm watching him this year. I'm saying they're not playing well. I know they're not playing well, but I so think that doesn't come back. You can't blame that all on Jared Hayne. Culture, attitude, and all that is the big one moment. That's bullshit. That, that doesn't come down. No, through. it doesn't come down to your day to day performance. Your week to week performance. Well, I think it's all eroded within, and that's my no, opinion. I, I so. disagree. I look. I, I get where you're coming from. I, the board's got to take responsibility. Hayne hasn't worked. He needs to go. But for me, at the moment. I'd sack both of them. I'd sack Henry and I'd sack Hayne and just say, two-story walking, both of you. Because it's just, the performance of the team isn't good enough, the performance of Hayne isn't good enough. So for me, catch up, both of you. And the fact that they've got to the, the, the point in their relationship where they're not talking is just no, no good for anyone. Yeah. And it, 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 what it tells me about both of them is that they both think that they're bigger than the team. Because... Regardless of whether one goes or one stays or whatever, they're there until the end of the year or for the foreseeable future. Get your shit together, sit down and work. There's plenty of players within sports, plenty of players I've played with, you've played with, you don't get along with. You don't particularly like a certain coach or a coach doesn't like a certain player. But you just know that professionally you need to get along and you need to work for what's best for the team, not what's best for you know you individually. I look at them both at the moment. I look at Henry and I look at Hayne, and it, to me, it looks like they're both just fighting for survival, and it's overshadowing the cohesion of the team. So I think both of them need to go. I can't see this getting any better. Well, at the end of the day, again, the board, uh, this is their mistake as well. So they should. Well, be now just it's the board's job to fix it. They should be as accountable as anybody in this situation. But, but they're not going to be. That never happened. Look at look at the Bulldogs. The board signed Des Hazlitt of that deal. The board. The board. You can't blame the board forever. Like the board made the made the call. I get that, but the only fuck up for me in the, from the board's point of view is that they gave him the option. I don't mind him signing Jared Hayne, but you don't handcuff yourself to it to the point where he's got the gun to the head of the club like he does now. That's their error. But Neil Henry's job is to coach a side and make that side cohesive. That's the just issue. because you don't like one player and he's not doing, you know, the right thing. You need to get the rest of the playing group on board and get them around. Not not try and. I think he's, he's, he needs to change the way he coaches. But it can still only take to make the, one make, person. If, if he's to ostracizing Hayne and he's, you know, not approaching, he, he clearly hasn't approached this the correct way. It looks like he's, he's approached it from one angle and he's just gone, fuck it, this is, I'm sticking with this because if I don't, I'm going to lose respect or whatever. It's, it's, I don't know. That's just what it looks like for me. I, Oh, I think they're both got to go. I, as a fan, it's it's sad to watch it. It's dog shit. The performance of the side at the moment is all effort based, and they don't look well coached. No, well either they don't way, look well coached. So either way, I'm just going back straight and simple here. I thought it was a mistake to begin with. The money. And I the agree option, with you. And it's I, all but, but apart. It's fucking happened now. I know so it's you happened. can't go back and talk about that because you, you can't you can't talk about what happened fucking eighteen months ago. That's We're right. talking about the here and now. I would finish the point, but you're not letting me. Yeah, hear. It's, it's straightforward and simple. What's done is done. I agree with you. They both need to go. Fire and Henry just because it's cheaper. Like they're talking about is the thought is dumb. Yeah. Keeping Hayne for one more year, you're writing off next season as well. I know they can't really spend the money anyway unless they cleared him out and hope that they could pick up some of the scraps from a few of these clubs that might have to drop some players. But 
to me, in the end, I think you're about to go into a dark age. That's my opinion. Well, what's new? If you're going to fire him... Well, what, what has the last five years been? Ta- like I said, Hayne's not going to be there after next year, full stop. So I just look at both ways. And, and then the other thing... Well, again, hopefully he's not here at the end of this year. The coaching, he can go and get a couple of players. The coaching setup. there's no one out there I'm looking at again and saying he's the one to take I over. I think the club's in big trouble because they're trying to sell the club. Well, that's the other And issue. how the hell are you going to sell a club that's a basket case? They're in big trouble. And all the options they're talking today about... One of the assistants, Craig Hodges or Terry Madison, no. I wouldn't go with either of them. No. Walters is doing Queensland. No. Again, I wouldn't bring him in. Jeff Tuvey coming back. Garth no. Brennan, Anthony Seabold's probably the only one who's Seabold, been, I would have. been to a few clubs and I think might be some of an option. And a guy I always mentions, Dimitri, but I wouldn't float him because he's in waiting for the Broncos job in a couple of years' time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just yeah but again, would he go and take a job right now? I think he's a Queenslander who'd be interested in the job, but I'm just looking at that and I'm thinking that's not the first job I want because... No, but do you want a job? That's the thing. Yeah, but not in that situation. More if what it was a first grade job, I think I think most guys are taking... Taking your opinion, my opinion, I'm just looking at full stop this way. To me, the Titans are in big trouble because... I agree, said, I'm a fan, but I, 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 I can know. separate being a fan to what... Like, I, I personally don't particularly like Jared Hayne. But I don't think Jared Hayne is totally to blame for the situation the club's in. That's my point. Yeah, I'm skipping all that and just going to what I'm trying to say, which is I think you're in trouble. Um, I agree. I don't know who they're going to have as a coach. He's not going to be there for the next 12 months, and I don't think Taylor's going to stay. And I think all of that stuff, and then trying to sell it is, yeah, well, that's what They're moving at the moment. They're moving at the moment to try and keep Taylor. Yeah, well... I don't think they're worried about Hayne. They've already had They're not worried about Henry. They're worried about Taylor. And I think these moves are... These moves are made based on what Ash Taylor is telling them he wants, well, I believe. They've already made offers and he hasn't taken any of them. So they better hope that they can man. move. Well, they've already made close to what they're talking about. So if they can't get him to sign and he goes back to Brisbane, like I said, they're heading into a dark spot and no one's going to go there. And I don't know who's going to want to buy the club. Mm. And I know about this Bears thing and this other group I think we've talked about. Um, I don't know about any of that kind of stuff either. And well, that's going to relo- come relocation looks... I don't know about the relocation, but giving up the name, which is what they're fighting for now more so to change to the Gold Coast Bears and having a couple of games down here. Um, That's I think, not going to happen. I think everything right now, just regardless of your opinion or my opinion of the situation, is just up in the air for the Titans and the future's looking pretty bleak. And the main one out of all this, which was getting to, by the board, by this, whoever stays there, is Taylor at Starts and ends with him. If he's gone, there's no one really else there that you want to play with. Yeah, but is he demand? Is he playing well enough at the moment to demand big money? I think he is. Well, I think he started off the year quite well, and you know for a fact yourself that halves get paid a premium, and they're going to want to build around somebody yeah, based on performance. And if he's not there, who else are you going to be able to attract? Well, I don't think that matters. I just don't think you handcuffs yourself to a player that's not performing. He's not performing at the moment. Yeah, well, he's going to get paid regardless. In my opinion. I'm going to put it that way. So. Well, he, he okay, he's going to get paid regardless, but. He, he's going to have to take less to go to Brisbane than what he's going to get on the Gold Coast. So it's clearly not about it's not about money. He wants to go to Brisbane because he wants to win. So the, that's what I think at the moment. The Titans are sort of moving at the moment to keep him happy, which I get. That's fine. They're going to have to pay more to keep Taylor at the Gold Coast than what they're going to have to to get him to Brisbane, which is, again, highlights how fucked the salary cap is because... Basically, we, they rent players to us and then we coach them up and give them first-grade experience and then just take them back off us. So I, the whole system's rigged. Like it's, have a look at the competition and it's clearly that the same sort of teams, the ones with money, are always up the top of the comp. And those who don't have money are down the bottom. Simple as that. So the ones that are NRL own, Titans, Knights, Tigers, when's the last time any of those have played final football? 
Not for a so long don't time. tell me the comp is even because it's not. No, we all know it's not even. We've seen that plenty. But I mean, you, you live, they're living, what, 45 minutes away from each other. So if they're on an even, even keel, it should be the Titans should be able to attract players uh, of the same ilk, calibre than what Brisbane can. Yeah, but the clubs aren't in the same position. We already know that. One's got all the third well, parties, is so, established for 30 plus years and has a culture of success. But you want it, but yet the NRL comes out and hypocritically says that they want to build rugby league on the Gold Coast. What the fuck are they doing to help build rugby league on the Gold Coast? They come in and save the club, like they come in and buy the club, but what else are they doing? Nothing. It's, it's a failure. The, the club, again, is looking like a failure on the Gold Coast. Well, it's failed three times. So, so. yeah, but they, they don't set it up properly. They don't give it the... Look at, look at GWS in the AFL. They get shitload of help and they're now flying. Members everywhere because it's set up the right way. But at the same time, you're bringing the AFL up. They haven't won on the Gold Coast either. That's also been a failure for them. Yeah, but I think they've got a hell of a lot better support than what the Titans have. I don't think they've ever got any support when you look at it. They do. I think the Gold Coast, to be honest, is a place where I'd just give up on. Mm. I don't think it's a spot for you. We've tried three times. I look at the AFL side of things. Uh, I know they've had a patchy history since they've been up there. I honestly just don't think there's a market for it. I know it's only 45 minutes away, but you've been to the Gold Coast enough and so have I. I'd move, People that go I'd to the Gold to Coast and go on to Cavill Avenue and to the beach and all the other bits and pieces, I really don't think there's enough people. people that actually live there. I get that, but I still don't think there's a great... There's enough rugby league fans there. Like, when the club was going well and was built the right way, had good players, they were selling, selling the ground out. Don't tell me it won't work there. It just hasn't been given the right support. Well, I think the second Brisbane team is one that's always been obvious. Yeah, like that, that seems obvious to me. And look, if people are passionate enough about their team on the Gold Coast, they'll, get, they'll travel to Brisbane to go and see that team play. I get that. Like To me, if you really want to save this franchise, you punt it up the road to Brisbane. Brisbane Bombers or whatever, rebrand it, move it up, up the strip. But the other thing is they just build a brand new stadium there. Who's going to play in that stadium? If, if they take the Titans out Center of there, of there's, no soccer, there's no soccer side there. No, that's the other thing I was going to say. So what's the stadium going to do? This is kind of my example of why I'm saying the Gold Coast doesn't work there. The soccer side's failed. We've done rugby league two or three times. AFL's come in. It honestly looks like just there's not enough of a care factor. There's good people people up there managing the the Titans. I just don't think they're similar to Newcastle in that they're trying to to rebuild. They're trying to do the right thing. This Jared Hayne issue aside, everything else was going in the right direction, going really well. This is obviously a blip, blip on the radar. Keeping Ash Taylor wouldn't be ideal, but it wouldn't be the end of the franchise. We were okay before Ash Taylor came along. To be fair, we've made Ash Taylor because we gave him the opportunity and and he's played well in order to get that opportunity back at Brisbane and get you know into the Queensland origin side. He wasn't doing any of, the, any of that in Brisbane. So I, I don't know. I, to me, it seems like people are overreacting. Um, I think people were underreacting, uh, you know, about a month ago when I was sort of saying that the club is struggling and there's bigger issues than, you know, the on-field performances. And now everyone's sort of going to the other end where it's a big failure. The NRL's got a lot to answer for, but so does the club and so do the players. So, Mm. yeah, a lot of issues. We've spent plenty of time on this and hopefully we've covered most of what anyone's going to ask for from the fans. But I'm with you, basically, in the fact that whether Henry or Hayne goes now... Whether it's this year or next year, Hayne's going to be gone. Uh, if they're going to move on from Henry, if he's disrupted the players, same deal. But the big issue is I don't know who they're going to coach uh, or who they're going to bring in to coach. And I don't know if Ashley Taylor is going to stay. And I think that has to happen. So uh, moving on, tackle two here. 
the Des has the situation and the Bulldogs, uh, you know, pretty ordinary again over the weekend, honestly. They just have to pull the trigger. Just stop They're it. They're not going until the end of the year. I know that there's the option there that, you know, if he finally gets to October, and we said this last week, that it's a million dollars, it goes down to 600000 but he hasn't changed anything with the side either, which is really starting to bother me. Mm-hmm. Your season's over. You've got a couple of guys there. They've, I've heard they've got second-tier room as well, and you're in a bad cap situation, but uh, just... I'm dumbfounded. And the board, again, if they're trying to save themselves, and I think Raylene Castle, we've spoke about earlier in the year, copped the bullet because she was part of the reason this deal got through with the board as well because she was one of the ones who was supporting Des Hasler. But um, they've got to take a lot more accountability in this situation when we talk about clubs and the board messing up again. The Bulldogs are in the same situation. They're very much responsible for this. Uh, how they ever approved any of these back-ended contracts, which have landed in this situation where they're so far over the... The cap that Kieran Foran and Aaron Wood still haven't been registered yet. Again, the NRL's got a lot to answer for in this situation as well. Well, even they're, they're bored. They're, they're How do you approve these deals? Well, they ha- well, a million dollars for James Graham. Approve the deal because you think that the, oh, the cap's going to be a certain amount. Not even that. These were done before so, that. This is back ending, which is the same thing you oh, did okay, at Manly, yeah, yeah, which right. has left Manly in, and the board has to approve contracts well, you do as well. It because you, you, you think short term and you try and win. That's what coaches do. Yeah, but the club also, the board. So this is what I mean. The board, that's right. The board's got a whole... This is what I've said to you before. They're they're just as bad. I I don't don't know. I don't know how they fix it. We're talking a million dollars. They're going to have to release players. But if you're a player, why would you go? You don't have to When you're entitled to the money. You don't have to. And that's what we got about last week. So they've gambled and they've lost because they thought that the cap was going to be around 10 mil. They've budgeted for that. Forget the cap. Well, no, you can't forget the cap because that's the issue. back into deals for a couple of these guys two or so years ago before we even considered the cap. They, they thought the cap was going to be 10, right? And they thought, well, we can fit all these deals in plus these guys on a $10 million, on a $10 million salary well, cap. Clearly not. Now, now that it's nine, they're going, well, we can't afford to pay these two blokes. Yeah, but it doesn't even matter about the nine. They've bought these two it guys does. when they were already giving five or six guys. These back-ended deals between and by the two Morrises, Eastwood and Graham alone is worth close to $3.7 yeah. million. And there's some third parties involved in that. I get that. There would be. So it'd be worth some of the generally inflated contracts, and then all of a sudden, how you're allowed to go out and try to do contracts, even though they're not registered for these two players, knowing they're so well overinflated and over the cap. Well, go and tell a Newcastle fan or a Gold Coast fan or a Tigers fan that this is fair. Exactly what I'm getting at. How you you feel if you're Newcastle and in the same situation where people last week, I was saying it to you, you can't defend it or say that uh, the figure not being out there or this rough figure not being good enough. You just can't. Keep signing and signing and signing and not register. Who's the Gold Coast the big signing this year? Jai Arrow for next year, but yet the Bulldogs, who are already got hosts of Origin and international players, Kiwi international players or whatever, now go out and buy Aaron Woods, the starting front rower for Australia and New South Wales, debate, debatable, and Kieran Foran, a half uh, starting half for the New Zealand national team. Tell me that the cap's fair. And it's, think, it's just it's ridiculous. Is there parts so they need to really come down hard here, the NRL, and say no. We we either they, they either they came out and gave them a draft figure, or uh, the NRL's got to take some accountability and say, look, we've we've stuffed this, we've mismanaged this. The players' association, I guess, have to take some responsibility because everyone's got some responsibility for the fact that this whole negotiation about the new cap and the new collective bargaining agreement hasn't been done. Yeah, Why hasn't it been done? Because everyone's got their own selfish little agenda to, to push. Yeah, full stop. The Bulldogs need to be accountable because they they're do. the one who have done these ridiculously back into deals. But how they think they can go out on top of that and take two premium players off the market, if you're going to frame it that way, 
why these other well, clubs who come in can't. And my other issue is if these guys get released, the teams that do have money left over, probably the only one that ends up a winner is Aaron Woods if he really does want to stay. And the Tigers, if they get him for less than what he was going to well, get What do the there. Tigers have the cap room to paint? But, yeah, well, because they've gone out and bought a lot of players to cover for the loss They've already of the come guys. out and said the other week they do have a couple of spots left, so they do have the money to do it. It wouldn't be as much as what the Bulldogs have given him. No. But you've got somebody like Kieran Foran as well, who I feel bad for a Newcastle or one of these teams, if they do have money left and that over, is he just going to go there for the money, which is more than likely. And do they want him at this point in time? So it's disadvantaged both. But you shouldn't be able to stockpile or back this up and have all these back-ended deals yeah, or even sign papers and come to terms if you already know you're well inflated over the cap, regardless agree, of the figure. I agree. It's they were already over the cap before they started signing these guys. And I'm just looking at it. Well, Greg well over what cap? That's the problem. There wasn't, there wasn't a cap. That's the issue. And it's, it's ridiculous that a year out from, you know, when as soon as... October 1 ticks over, or sorry, November 1 ticks over, and your current roster lands on the field and they're training, you are not worried about the management of that roster. You are then worried about the next year's roster. So I don't understand how since last November, so we're talking 10 months, 9 months, every club's been trying to manage their salary cap and their player management and roster management based on nothing, no cap. How do you do that? I don't, I don't get it. I do not understand it at all. Well, Greg Eastwood is one that, again, I just have no reason for it. He was off contract from my memory last year, but somehow got a new deal and we're talking back into close to 800000 How do they come up with that? How does I the board have no idea, Lewis. I have no I'm idea. Just... I have no idea. And again, like you say, they've got to be accountable for that aspect of it because that's shit management. No doubt. No, no one listening to this podcast who isn't a biased Dogs fan would disagree with you on that. No one. So you're right. They've got to take some accountability as well. Definitely. But to me, it's just the, the, the Todd Greenberg, have you seen him in a press conference or seen him come out with anything? No, he's done nothing since he's, he's been there. He's been terrible. He's been an absolute shadow after being so good when he was at the Bulldogs, one of the best operators in club land. Yeah. And since he's gone into the big world, he's done what most of them do. Well, he's we. become a politician. Mm. You hear little bits and pieces, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But you've seen no action. No. Um, but these two in particular, and yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I just hope they stick solid and don't give them any dispensation or any help here. They don't deserve to be helped out in any way, shape, or form after the situation they've put themselves in. If they have to let these guys go out in half contracts or less money and let all these other clubs get them just to get under and sign a couple of guys from Cup or 20s or whatever to fill their top squad, that's just too bad. Yeah. That's the situation you deserve to be in. And that's what I'm getting at when I'm looking at Newcastle and these other ones that are trying to do the right thing and rebuild. They don't deserve to be punished for other clubs' mismanagement and fuck-ups. Thing, you, just can't, you can't rebuild when other teams are just at a, the guys at the top are the ones getting all the better players. Like, who are the big-name signing? Like, you've had the Dogs, you've had Brisbane um, that are signing these big-name players, and they're, they're teams that are already up. The like the Bulldogs have played in two grand finals in the last five years, haven't they? And they're the ones out there signing these internationals. So mm-hmm. But you tell me it's cyclic. It goes around in circles and everyone gets a chance and the salary cap evens everything out. Well, it doesn't. Well, tackle three. Uh, more one from me. After the game on the weekend, the Roosters in Melbourne, uh, the amount of spite in that, there's a little bit of obviously Queensland, New South Wales flavour. There's obviously some Kiwi internationals, Bromwich, Rio Graves getting stuck into each other. And I think the last couple of years since that semi-final where Melbourne knocked them off in that game that we went and watched uh, when Munster was the fullback in 2015. I think there's been a fair bit there and obviously two good coaches. That's the grand final, I want to say. I really enjoyed that game on the weekend. Yeah. 
Um, I well, think at the moment, that's the grand final. Brisbane makes the most sense. The style of football they've played the last two weeks, and again, I find it hard to read a lot into it on the weekend because I think the Sharks have been terrible the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but impressed by them again. But besides Brisbane, the feeling in particular in that game that felt like a finals game. That's a game I want to see again. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'd really, really want to see that game again. And the weather probably uh, well, didn't ruin it, but no. it changed the type of style of game that it was, which was a little bit less conducive to ball movement and, and exciting, but excitability of the game, but uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. And another thing, I've just seen a lot of people whinging about the penalty count. Uh, again, it's hard not to sound biased because I go for Melbourne, but you clearly didn't watch the game closely if you whinge about the numbers. The number doesn't reflect the actual penalties. There were six penalties in a glut down and inside the 20 where the Roosters do it all the time, and it's a principle. They've come out with Trent Robinson, and good on them to give away penalties inside 20 to reset if they feel that they're under pressure and back themselves to defend out instead of scoring points. And they did so. They mm-hmm. conceded two penalty goals. Um, and all these... Ah, Melbourne, this, Melbourne, that, they're pen- referees, penalties, rah, rah, rah. I just, again, looking at the numbers, you clearly don't watch the game. And I don't know if you agree with me or not, but all that glut is what they always do inside 20. All the time, A lot of teams do it. But the Roosters in particular have built... Uh, you know, these sides that they've had over the past couple of years since Robinson's been there. That's what won them the comp in 2013, and they're the best team the first two years Robinson was there doing that. Hmm. They're the ones who basically invented this tactic of stalling inside the 10 and 20. Yeah, they did. The no, takeaway. I'd, I'd have to go and break down the game. Well, I sat there and I did. Coach, there right? was about six penalties in the first 10 minutes. One was that period where they were really under pressure. Latrell Mitchell <laughs> was the other penalty where the penalty try, that's a, technically a penalty. The Trell Mitchell shoulder charge. It was a three-on-one strip. Oh, we, don't, uh, we don't need to go through. If you're happy, with, you're happy with them, then you're happy yeah, with them. Yeah, but I'm saying, again, you're, you're a neutral in this situation. People are... If, well, look, uh, I watched the game and I thought there were too many penalties in the game. Don't get me wrong. I thought, again, like I watch games and I think, the referee, your job isn't to be seen. Yeah, you blow penalties when you have to. again, accusing and saying it's unfair, like, to one side. Oh, it's, and it's Trent bullshit. Robinson and didn't win. And Cameron Smith, Cameron Smith, the referee. Everyone's asking yada, for yada, Trent yada. Robinson yeah, should right. have blown He had no reason to blow up. And you know why? He's a decent coach who's not going to use excuses for his team. He would have behind the scenes, no doubt. He would have got on the, on the blower yeah, and said, He touched on the more important thing, which was errors. And again, they gave seven more errors than Melbourne. And that's ill-disciplined. Yeah. And they were in that game and they should have won that game. And simply, you've got to play 80 minutes against the Storm. And a seven-tackle set... At the end of the game, right at the death, which proves it again, cost them. Melbourne yeah. went down the field. They got two six again from charge downs. and well, eventually... kind of in that bad because they led the game with five to go. Yeah, and they created more line breaks even though they did that. Yeah, they cleaned that up. I think they can really challenge. And I've had them number two and number one above Melbourne at the start of the year for the whole year. I'm, I think the Roosters are the real I can't see them beating Their biggest thing, and that's what Robinson goes on all the time, they don't play for 80 minutes. And they are ill-disciplined at times and they have poor ball control. They clean those up and have anything even with Melbourne and they win that game and they could really push Melbourne. But I'm just yeah. sick of saying people whinging and asking for blow-ups and just bashing the refs. Unless there's an absolute clunker, just uh, every week you want to find an excuse. Can anyone watch the football and enjoy it? Mm. Anyone? I'm just... Okay. <sighs> Number four, Benji and the Tigers. I like it. I've yeah. seen uh, a bit of a mixed response, but I think this is good considering coming full circle... Um, he kind of spoke about the situation, being a bit young, probably poorly handled by the club as well, but also poorly handled by him at the time and the way that he left. But coming back for one year, I think it's a good signing. It's good backup. I think he can do a job like he did for the Broncos. He can help a couple of these guys out, and uh, I like it. I do like it. I like it, yeah. Uh, I don't have a huge opinion on it no. um, in that, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it seems the right move for both, bit of depth. Providing that Benji's not going to 
go back there with the ego and the sort of abrasiveness that he had when he left there originally. I think he's well past uh, that point now. Yeah, I hope so. And, I hope uh, so. I'm guessing again, yeah. Uh, tackle five, I watched it again the other night. I watched the Panthers game. I've seen some people the last few days saying they were outstanding and you know in that game or the second half. I'm still not convinced. And the big thing for me, and I saw it again the other night, is Moylan's not my fullback and he's not my six in that side. Forget money, forget Mark Howe. I know clubs work that way. And any Panther fans out there, send us anything and uh, feel free to disagree. But... I honestly think Cleary plays better with May. We said at the start of the year, we thought he'd get a start at six or we'd like him to see him play six. They didn't go that way. It's taken a lot of injuries and a lot of other things to find his way in because in New South Wales Cup, somehow, he even ended up on the bench at one point, even though he wasn't playing bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I hope a few people have seen what he brings to the six jumper. And I think Edwards at fullback, the one thing I whinged about Moylan as well, he doesn't bring the ball back hard. He's a facilitator at the back and I think he fiddles with the ball too much and wants to finesse it rather than bringing the ball back. I think Edwards actually doesn't have too bad a touch from the back either. And he's going to get better as a ball player. The him and Cartwright right now are two I look at uh, money-wise. And again, you can't just offload contracts. But where does Moylan fit you? I know he's probably going to get to keep playing six and May's going to be playing off the bench. But I saw two four-man overlaps off two four-on-twos on the weekend where he played short. I've seen two passes where he had a lead runner, a man at the back, and he was that indecisive. The ball just hit the deck. I saw on a couple of seven-tackle sets. I just don't think he works in the halves. I think he's way too erratic. Yeah, if they're going to persist with it, oh, I think you have to have May at 13. That's the only way up. And then do you have too many cooks on the field? I oh, think that's the other issue yeah, they've oh. had. And Wallace at nine, I think, well, I think they have way too many guys with their hand in the pot at the moment. Moylan's a captain. Moylan's on too much money to not be on the field. So they're in a hard predicament. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. That was Look, my, if you're the coach, that's my starting point. Technically, he's their marquee player. I get that. But yeah. I... You know, my, my gripe is purely from a football perspective, nothing else. At fullback, I like I had a problem with him not bringing the football back. He doesn't like to get dirty. And that's one reason I don't like him for origin. It's easy to chime in and throw a finishing pass when everything's already done for you. But if so you don't, where do you play Dylan Edwards on the wing? No, he stays at fullback. I just don't see Moylan. So where do you play Moylan? I don't have him in the side. But again, that's what I'm bringing up. It's a pretty good for them because clearly he's their captain. He's the marquee. I'm. Is he become Kirk Gidley, captaining off the bench? To more move forward from my perspective, I don't think they're going to get rid of him because he's the local boy and all the rest of it. But I think right now they're facing themselves with a bit of a predicament with him and Cartwright because, again, Harawira and Ira, for me, is not going anywhere, neither is Yo. And I think they've got they're money tied up. In, car, right? They've got money tied up in two guys, big money, who are both locals, and I get that, who just don't fit in the picture right now for me. Mm-hmm. And Moylan, again, for all the talk about the Lockyer comparisons, which I never understood, I think uh, there's two guys better in two positions that they want him to play. I can't argue with you. So, on form, they're yeah. playing better than him. And uh, again, uh, the, the, the one game, everyone brings up that camera. Yo and Harawir and I are playing better than Cartwright. And, and at any stage of Cartwright this year, he's got nowhere near those two guys. No. May, uh, Edwards is playing outstanding at fullback. May's going outstanding every time he runs onto the field. He's gone well when the, in the two games that Moreland didn't play. And I get people will probably so say... You just, He's been playing great for longer and this and that, but he, my thing well, is... there's no currency in that. He you'd, came through He came through as a fullback and that saved him, like I said. He didn't get a run as a six. He struggled as a six through the junior guards, which yeah. is why he converted to fullback. Everyone's going, he should play 5-8. That's the thing. It took fullback to get him into grade. I know he made a good transition, but I, I'm, I've i never had the, the rep wraps on him that most people have. I don't understand it. I really don't. When Sometimes we all know this, when people get a bit of hype behind them or people have wraps on a certain player, they do get boosted up. And I think he's a first grader, sure. 
but I honestly prefer those two on those two positions, and I don't take him as a genuine six. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, I look at it right now, and again, it doesn't happen very often at clubs, but I honestly think they've got the stock there, and I look at salary cap and, and move wise, and I know he's the marquee, and he'll probably get the support over May. But if I'm a club, I'm circling May. I said that a few weeks ago, and someone like the Bulldogs again. I know they're in a, a bad spot financially right now, but if they could have sorted all this crap out and offload a few of these contracts, someone like that standing next to Kieran Foran and New Brown playing nine, I think that's a pretty good rebuild on the spine. That's pretty ordinary right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I, uh, um, tough situation, one, but a good situation. Yeah, they've got oh, too many outstanding, and that's more one for the Panther fans out there. Let us know your thoughts. But um, anyone that didn't see me previously, we've been talking about him for a couple of years while he's been coming through the grades, saying yeah. that at some point we thought he'd get a crack at this jumper. And he, like I said, it took a lot to get him there. But I think even the staff now, if they haven't, surely have realised, okay, maybe we slept on this guy a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And they pushed him in other positions like 13. He played a bit of fullback. He even played some dummy half in the 20s for Christ's sake. Yeah. But he is a quality footballer. He's all class. Uh, and the last one we got here, it's a 10-team comp. Uh, we've got a couple of teams. Obviously, Penrith keep on winning. The Dragons find a way to win on the weekend. And then you've got the Raiders now who have put a few together and we have some interesting games coming up over the next couple of weeks so really looking forward to those uh, obviously Canberra versus Penrith this weekend probably the game of the round could end oh, be cracker. could end Canberra's season could keep it alive and then the weekend after if Penrith do lose that one you've got the Dragons uh, I, I don't see them beating the Broncos but if Penrith do lose and it comes down to those two playing again there's pressure on the Cowboys to keep winning and their, their injury toll just keeps getting bigger and then the last round you've got Manly and Penrith so no, I'm just probably finishing off the set of six here with saying it's good that things have worked out, that these games at the back end of the year do end up meaning something. Because mm. we got to a point there where it looked like it was one team left and things were done and there was going to be no interest in the top four. That looked finished. The bottom half of the eight looked like it was half finished. But the NRL, as it always does in rugby league, is throwing up some good stuff for us in the last few weeks. Yeah, so, absolutely. Interesting finish to the year. But that is the set of six, a very, very long one due to the Jared Hayne and the Titans situation in general. But... What an absolute mess that is. But now, power rankings, mate. We're going to do top eight and we're going to do the bottom eight. Because we've yeah. had a few people the last few weeks, interesting, interestingly enough, saying if the bottom eight had a finals or the way teams are playing right now, who would you have? But we'll start off with the top eight. Pretty obvious, Melbourne's number one. Melbourne? Yep. Yep. Uh, I've got the Roosters still at number two. Yeah, well, I bumped them up to two. Yep. Uh, number three, I've bumped up uh, the Broncos ahead of Cronulla. Yeah, I've so. bumped up the Broncos as well. They followed the Roosters up. Yep, uh, at four, I've left Cronulla. I know they're in a bit of a flat spot, but I honestly think, you know, just looking at who's in there and the losses in those four teams under them, I have to leave them there for now. I'll bump Cronulla, uh, the Cowboys up. Uh, I think they're playing more consistent than the Sharks right now. Yep, and well, it's based on right now. Yeah, I understand. I'm yep. with you. Uh, the Eels, I've left at five, and again, I'm more going off what they've got left to play. I know that was a disappointing loss the other night, but I think Newcastle have been great the last few weeks and it's more going again. Yeah. Uh, the injuries, the players they've got in the field, I think they're still going to finish in the top. I've got the Sharks at five. Yep, I've got the Cowboys at six holding. Uh, I was very tempted to bump them up like you, but again, losing a couple more players and the draw they've got left over, it's it's been a harsh back end of the year and it's been a harsh year in general to the Cowboys and I thought they were very brave the other night. I've got Manly at six. Uh, they've Well, they had an impressive win over... The Roosters last week and then lost a game at Leichhardt on the weekend, which I thought they were well in control, even though they had a bit of a power nap. So. Yep. I've got Manly at seven. And, uh, yeah, a bit disappointed with the up-and-down form. Towed up by Melbourne. Then they go over there and give it to the Roosters. And then on the weekend, they did what uh, the Roosters did against them the week before. They blew a 20-6 to lead. Yeah, I've got the Eels at seven. I think if the Eels... And Eagles played right now. I think the Eagles would have just a little bit too much for them. And Penrith, obviously. Penrith, right. At eight, but I'm still not convinced. 
I'm really not. I convinced. am that that game on the weekend. We're going to talk about it in reviews. I'm convinced that they are getting better. That was for me the most impressive Penrith win of the year on the weekend. All right. Well, in that case, we go to the bottom eight sides, and people have more brought up if that was to be its own little final series or just the general form of it. Who would you have? And I think the obvious one right now, and if they didn't leave it so late and they've lost, you know, five or six games by only four points or less, it's cost them, is the Canberra Raiders, if you're yeah. going to do the bottom eight as ranking number one. Yeah, I've got the Raiders, yeah. Uh, the second one, again, a team that their first half of the year was good. Injury struck them down, and then they've hit a bit of a flat spot, but they're still in the hunt for the finals. I'd have the Dragons at two. You've got the Dragons, yeah. Yep. Uh, this is where things got a bit hairy for me because I thought the Tigers and the Knights have played very, very good and under their coaches and just making progress, I might have put them here. But looking at Souths on paper and, you know, their season's done. Cook finally been in there. The two Burgess brothers copping a bit of flack are starting to have a dig, Crichton, etc. Yeah. I'd have South at three. I agree. I've got South at three as well. But it'd be very close. Uh, after that, though, and this is where things change and it shows the difference in those tight sides, I'd have the Tigers at four. I've got the Tigers. Um, yeah. Very, very And impressive. we haven't spoken about this. And uh, Newcastle would be my five. Yeah, I've they've, got Newcastle at five. They've had some impressive games. and Yeah, I think we're going to have the same order here. Uh, the bottom three is where it got really difficult. Right, go. This is where it got difficult. Do you want me to go? So then it looks as though we're not... Well, you can go oh, first. I've got the Warriors. Time. Yeah, well, I have, li- six. I have the Warriors as well. And yeah. people out there may complain or say otherwise. Some of their, their overall performances have been nowhere near as bad as the bottom two sides, uh, which are the Dogs and the Titans. Yeah, so who have you got? Who have you got? Last and second. I've got the Titans last. and I've, I've got, got them second last. second last. The last two weeks have almost been enough to tilt me. But in general, I think the Dogs have been horrible this year. And yeah. I think bar a close win in the rain earlier in the year in the, against the Broncos and a one against Newcastle, they didn't deserve. They should get the wooden spoon this year. Mm. And if they didn't get the Broncos game, which, again, early season they did win it and they didn't deserve that Newcastle one, they'd be on six wins right now. If you take that one off them, you've got Newcastle now on five and you've got the Tigers sitting there on six. They literally should, they would be in the battle for the spoon. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the next few weeks, if the Tigers, I, I can't remember their draw or Newcastle's, if there was Doesn't any, matter. if there was That's any way. The Forget the draw because. If there was any way for the Bulldogs to get it, I think if you're looking at talent, coaching, facilities, the money they spend on their footballing department, just everything to do with the club in general and where they're at as a team, as an organisation, I think they deserve the wooden spoon. Yeah. They probably won't get it, but honestly, I think they deserve it, given all the advantages and everything they've got. Hard to argue, my friend. So, yeah, that's the bottom eight there, everyone out there. If you want to, like I said, a couple of messages came from some of the listeners. Send us your power rankings for your top eight or your bottom eight. Feel free to do so. But uh, set of six there, like I said, pretty long power rankings for the top eight. And we did the bottom side. We'll review the games before we do the fan questions, mate. So, jump into these now. South Dogs, 28 to 14. Uh, dogs, pretty much. Shit game. Same old, same old. What a shit game. It was an ordinary game. Uh, They were awful. Reynolds gone very, very early. Hurts them big time because he's probably the only one with any sort of attacking spark. But you got nothing new. Uh, You know I feel sorry for. There's a couple of guys I feel sorry for. One's Josh Jackson. He looked very frustrated the other night. Gave away a lot of penalties. Um, There's there's not many guys I feel bad for on that side, but he's definitely one of them. And I kind of wish he was at another club because I think he's a really good footballer. And I heard that Manly was snooping around for Clemmer, and he's another one I think has a go every week. But... If they're looking for an upgrade in the back row or someone to play on their side, if, if there was anyone I'd be trying to get out of the Bulldogs, if I could, it'd be Josh Jackson. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the, the, in, you know, Hopper White, I know the effort's there, but that hasn't panned out since he's come back. But they've re-signed him for three years moving forward, which again shows the board and Hasler and the way they're managing things. That was that was a bad move. That's a bad move. Um, they need a complete and utter shake-up. 
in the next few weeks. Josh Cleland, guy that's been playing New South Wales Cup, come down from the Ipswich Jets. He scored 13 tries. He scored six over the last couple of weeks. They need to just let the chains go. If Hazard's going to save his job or he's moving forward, when things are written off, you've got to start blooding people. Ran off to Amaga, junior Kiwi, outstanding footballer. For some reason, again, re-signed for three more years, can't get a game in first grade. Mm. Put him in. Cassiano's gone. He's had niggles the last couple of weeks. Just get rid of him. He's moving on. Francis Tulio, if he's going to be there long-term, a few games off the bench, he come from Melbourne, bit of leg speed, bring him in. Mm-hmm. Get these guys into your team. It's not rocket science. Why are you just doing the same thing over and over again? You're just doomed to fail. Yeah. Um, I'd try and buy it fullback for the last couple of games as well. I'd move Hopway out of the centres. I think he's better off in the centres. Um, there's a few just small moves like that. But, yeah, Cleland's got to come in for me. Fire Talamara, I'd have Elliot starting in the back row. I'd move Jackson to lock and I'd put Clement back to the bench or start him in the front row properly and either bench Tolman or Graham. Yeah. Um, and the harsh reality is someone's going to have to move on too. And if Graham's on on a million dollars, he's been outstanding servant for the club, outstanding bloke, great footballer. But let's be honest, um, you know, the couple of injuries this year, Leg speed, all that, and this and that. If there's one I want to get rid of right now for a million dollars, he's the one I'm probably trying to get out. Because I think someone like Newcastle had genuine interest. We'll take a bit of that burden off them money-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they were ordinary. Souths, they had their patches again. I think Johnson's improving at fullback. Uh, you know, Crichton playing on. He's a tough bloke. Burgess, he played half that game. He's injured. I'd still rest those two. I know I've said that the last couple of weeks, but same deal. Their season's over. Yeah. Keep playing Cameron Murray. Keep playing the kids. Cook proved again why he needs to be the nine. And the two Burgess brothers play better when he's there because he gets them over the advantage line and doesn't dick around with the ball like Robbie Farrow does. He plays fast, he plays direct, he gets them moving forward. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, moving on from that one, 29 to 10, Newcastle have the Eels. And uh, this puts a real dent, you would have thought, on their top four chances, but all those other sides fighting for the top four lost again. So it was kind of a bit of a reprieve for the Eels. But I know there was people whinging about a couple of decisions. I didn't have a real big problem and didn't think it cost them the game. I think they turned up. I think the Eels underestimated the Newcastle side, and I think Newcastle played better overall. I thought there was no composure from the Eels. I thought their fifth tackle options were quite poor, and they showed some ill-discipline again, which can rear its head at times. Mm. Yeah, well, they they just look flat. Newcastle made uh, metres a lot easier. They just played a lot harder. Just a bit of an outlier for the Eels, you hope, if you're an Eels fan, but... Mm. Well done in Newcastle. They're playing like they've got nothing to lose with a lot of enthusiasm. They look like they want to uh, finish the season off strongly. They they always... The teams that that you know that are going to struggle always start off really well and always finish really well because they just find that they're at the starting line and they've got all that enthusiasm and then the the wear and tear of the season uh, sort of grinds them away and you see them get flogged a little bit during that middle part of the season and then once they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, they spark back up again. So that's what's happening. Brock Lamb, absolutely uh, outstanding, playing next to Hodkinson. I think he's made a big difference since he's came back in. He's taken some responsibility away from Lamb, let him play his natural game, which is more as a 5'8", running the football, digging into the line. He's been exceptional probably the last month, Lamb, since he's had him back in there. Safidi brothers, outstanding. Barnett, like you said. Uh, and Fitzgibbon, some of the lines he's running on the edges. I watched him during the juniors, and they had him as their captain as the 20s. Mm-hmm. I think, again, it took a year or two to kind of adjust to playing against men, playing in cup. Um, but him and Levi coming off the bench the last few weeks, and even Bureau playing at nine. Like, everything's really, really working for him. So chucking these guys they're bringing next year and things building. And like you said, and I mentioned it earlier in the year, uh, they couldn't win a metre kind of account for the game. They always struggled to really get over a 1,000 or beat someone of the forwards. The other night, six line breaks to two, so they showed a bit of creativity, and that comes off the back of generating uh, that speed through the middle of the field. But they outdone an Eels pack, which is pretty rough, 1,800 metres to 1,400. 
it's, uh, it's starting to show that turnaround and that maturity in a couple of those forwards who are starting to come uh, of age after a rough couple of years. Yeah. So big ups to them. And, uh, yeah, Parramatta, luckily, results for them have worked out. Uh, they've still got a legitimate chance at the top four after a couple of those sides lost. But uh, Bevan French back this week, and I'm sure they're going to be uh, right up in a wake after getting a bit of a shock. And they play the Titans. There's no room for complacency, especially when we usually find drama sparks up a team. But, yeah, they're going to have to turn things around this week, the Parramatta side. Broncos 32-10 over Cronulla. And, again, this is not one I want to talk about too much because I thought Cronulla were disgraceful. Um, same oh, same things all year. Ill-discipline. Just ill-discipline, 53 missed tackles, 7 penalties, 16 errors. That was disgusting. I said that I thought James Maloney coming back was a mistake. He still had a Hulk hand. He missed 10 tackles. He gave away at least 4 or 5 penalties. They scored the first try on him. Um, you know, they were just they were ordinary. And on the edges, Monga and Roberts had an absolute field day. I thought Milford had a pretty good game. The, the younger guys off the bench were really, really good. Hunt out of nine after that 20-minute period where they let Thayda just take that little bit of sting out. Um, he's been pretty dynamic. So, uh, again, I've been surprised by Brisbane the last two weeks with him playing there. But the Sharks, I'm starting to kind of question the drive as we find a lot of teams after they've won a comp. Yeah. Uh, looking at the situation, they're looking a bit old. They're looking a bit flat, one out. The old discipline, you know, you got a couple of guys. The the bird situation, I'm not reading too much into it, but you kind of have to look at it right now. And it, it's looking like most teams that look like they, you question the back to back thing. Are they hungry enough? And right now, I don't. Well, think they, they, they look ill disciplined. And then you've got individual things which also come in after you get that comp. You know, you got James Maloney who had the injuries, but he's still looking for his contract upgrade. Yeah. And then you got Bird, who was looking for his piece, and he's leaving. So, you know, he's been injured, and he hasn't had a great year. And then you've got a couple other guys who have obviously had contract situations as well. So I'm kind of looking at this and thinking, you know, that fire at the moment, it's definitely not there. It's not. And if they lurk into the finals the way they're playing right now, they, they obviously won their title last year. Yeah, they look um, flat. They're all disciplined. All the things that you don't need when you're trying to go back-to-back. I'd honestly say, I know they've still got them in the top four, but I wouldn't consider them a threat at all right now. If no, this is I've how they're going to... That's why I've got them outside. Yeah, if they're going to limp in like this, and again, that they've won their title, so that fire is always harder to find. You hear a lot of players mention it that have won the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might just be another number at the moment. They yeah, need to maybe. find something, and they need to find it fast. But uh, Brisbane, um, it's growing on me. They're really growing on me. If they keep playing this... I think they've become more dynamic having to make this adjustment. And Hunt's yeah. relishing... The nine roll, but again, I'm still not going to read too much into it because I think they've played the Titans, who are awful, and they've got the Sharks, who have been awful for a couple of weeks. Um, this week, Brisbane are playing the Dragons, who should be right up for it because they need to play finals, but I'm still finding it hard to get a real read on Brisbane right now. Yeah, agree. Yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to know. Hard I'm still know. very impressed the two weeks I have seen so far. So. Yeah, well, they play, do they play Melbourne this week? No, they play the Dragons. Sorry. And, they, do they uh, play Melbourne? By the, no. no. Melbourne plays South, Newcastle, and the Raiders on the way in. Who am so. I thinking that they play? They must play someone of note. In the next couple of weeks, I think. Eels, or they play the Eels and the Cowboys. So. So, well, the Cowboys, regardless of who they've got on the field, are going to come after them. Correct. They always have a yeah. great game the last round. But uh, Brisbane, to me, I, like I said, I, I was willing to kind of push things out with McCulloch moving, but it seems to have opened them up a little bit. So. Yeah. I'm going to watch with Intrigo the next few weeks, but besides the Roosters right now, they're, they're starting to come back into my head a little bit if they keep playing the way they are. Yeah. Because they're playing a bit more ad-libbing, a bit more freely, and while that can be dangerous against Melbourne at the same time, that can bring Melbourne undone. If you can move them around enough, offload the ball, push things. So uh, I've got one eye on Brisbane. Dragons, Titans, uh, again, I, I know you don't want to spend a lot of time, neither do I. I thought it was one way 
lackluster, flat, no line speed. Um, the Dragons just marched through them. I was very sad to see Jay Wallace go off of that knee injury because I think he's one of the guys who's had a brilliant year and deserved his origin jersey. Yeah. Um, he's definitely proved to the Broncos that it was a mistake letting him go. So good on Jared Wallace. But St. George, they finally made the decision. They said McCrone was injured. Injured or not, you don't bring him back. Man stays at seven for me. Mm-hmm. Simple player, um, tough, runs the football, knew his job, scored a couple of tries, and I think that more of the responsibility, like it was on the weekend, should go to Gareth Whittle. But their forward pack did what they should do. They played strong, offloaded, pushed in numbers. They've still got issues there. Second half, uh, you know, their their defence, we talked the other against South, the backpedalling, the slide defence, it doesn't work. You guys didn't even throw much at him. You literally just went through the hands. You went, hold, you went through them down the left side two or three times without them even throwing shape at you. Yeah. So if the Dragons are, are going to be serious, they need to address that because the way Brisbane have been playing and the way they burned the edges last week of the Sharks, if that's how the Dragons are going to defend that, mm-hmm. Monger and Roberts are going to have an absolute field day. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the edge that got exposed multiple times by you guys was the left side. That's where Roberts and Gilletta... So if they're going to backpedal, they're in big trouble this week. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they got a win. They definitely needed it. But, again, that wasn't a game I enjoyed, that's for sure. It wasn't exactly a high-quality game of football. But Melbourne against the Roosters, uh, this was an outstanding game. I really did enjoy it. I thought it was grand final quality. Some people may or may, uh, may, or may not disagree, but there's a certain level of spite there. There's a Queensland flavour, obviously, in the Melbourne side, having those key guys in there. Then you've got the Roosters with Pierce, Cordner, etc. I think there's a couple of Kiwi players. I thought Jesse Bromwich had his best game of the year because Jabari Hargraves went after him. Um, and I, Again, I think there's a rivalry because they are dominant clubs. They do have great coaches, and especially since that semi, which we went and watched, where they knocked them off when the Roosters were supposed to win that comp and they eventually got knocked out, I think, uh, in the prelim against the Broncos. Yeah. I think the last few years, those games have always been really, really tight and they go after each other. But um, Honestly, I thought the first half, Melbourne... They were okay, but they were playing a bit too sideways considering the conditions. Uh, I thought the Roosters, again, were whinge about the penalty count. They did a real good job to defend their line, slow it down. They can see those penalties on purpose inside 20 to reset and make sure you don't get tries. Melbourne had to settle for two penalty goals. I'm not biased at all. I didn't think that was a penalty try given the standard and the way things are in the comp. I didn't mind it being a penalty try, but based on what we know of yeah. the penalty try, that wasn't. I didn't think it was. No, there were too many variables. I honestly think, though, again, with anyone whinging, and you may or may not agree, if you give Melbourne 12 players for 10 minutes parked down there, I think they find a try anyway. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, they do. I think Melbourne would have rather have I, I the sin bin. I yeah. wanted the sin bin because I'm yeah. sitting there going, we're already parked here for like four or five sets with these back-to-back mm-hmm. penalties. I reckon we can get one or two if we get him off the field. But mm-hmm. uh, honestly... I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what Sully was doing either. That was insanity. I've heard people with different takes on that. What, what, what would you think with that situation? He's ended up getting just a fine. I thought it was insanity. Mm. I thought he might have got a week or two. I didn't know how you'd frame up the, the charge. People were trying to make the argument, what if he was going to score a trial? Well, he wasn't. So you can't go jumping over people with your knees. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was absolute nuts. But the big thing here for me in particular over the, the base of this game, I thought the Roosters opened them up a few times at Melbourne scrambled really well. I thought both of them on goal line were outstanding. Um, but Cameron Smith was the difference in this game to me. He's kicking out a dummy half, and we've said this so much. He's so underrated. I think uh, he's more important than most halves are, to be honest. He's kicking game. Six or seven kicks in that game. If it wasn't wet, got a bit of backspin, didn't go for 40-20s. There was a dropout that was critical that he forced in the second half. He was just brilliant, getting them out of yardage and 
the spite and the line speed and the anger in that game I'm talking about, you could just see, because honestly, both of them in the second half kept getting trapped inside 20 or 30. They were just teeing up on each other. Yeah. Um, but in the end, Billy's rare error really, really, you know, it was a critical one and it cost Melbourne the game technically. But then you got the Roosters later on who Jake Friend somehow jumps a short side, throws it to Blake Ferguson, gives a seven-tackle set. That 80 minutes we talk about, you got to give against Melbourne, it went out the window right there. Mm. Yeah, it did. Yeah, absolutely. So difficult, difficult game for the Roosters to win when you look at their discipline. Yeah, and that's what Trent Robertson brought up. And yeah. I think it was Dinos Daniel who sent me a message saying he thinks Roberts, Robinson had a right to blow up. He wasn't happy about the penalty count. Um, you know, I'm, again, just from what I saw on there, mate, I, I think the penalty, the number of penalties doesn't really reflect it because the glut of them came in that one period. And then the other ones we're talking about was the penalty try, the shoulder charge, a three-on-one strip. So I didn't really think the penalty count was, you know, heavily in against them for that reason. I thought a glut of them particularly came when they defended their line early on. Yeah, um, but you know, I know. I think Robinson, like I said, smart enough not to give his players an excuse, and they lost the error count by seven, which is critical in that kind of weather. But I honestly think they're the only team that can beat Melbourne at this point. I think they put eighty together, which they haven't all year. They can challenge Melbourne, and that's the grand final I want to see. Those, these two teams. Um, but yeah, right now that's a grand final. I want yeah, to see. that's that's what I want to see. I thought Connor Watson was massive at fullback. He was really really good. Cordner was good as well. Uh, Orbison. On the Melbourne side, like I said, Smith was a standout. And Slater was really, really good again. But honestly, he's been a bit too erratic for me as well since he's been back. He mm. needs to tone things down a little bit. So uh, it wasn't just the drop ball, just some of the passes and some of the run. He really, he's, he's an absolute excitement machine. And our attack's been great since he's been back. But he's got to drop the three or four errors a game out because they're forced errors. They're not, uh, you know, one or two here. He's really pushing the envelope sometimes and giving the ball away when he doesn't need to. Yeah, agree. No, I really enjoyed that game. Panthers-Cowboys, and again, I'll let you take more lead on this because you said it earlier. Uh, you think that's one of Penrith's best performances of the year? Yeah, I think it, I think it was. Uh, no doubt in my mind because, for me, they played for 80. They The Cowboys led for most of them, well, for the first 60. They were ahead, ground away, and Penrith, to me, just stuck at it. Like, I know it wasn't pretty, but for me, it just proved that Penrith are learning... To be patient, um, not to try and blow teams away uh, early in games, and they won that game late. So that, that's what impressed me about it. And I just think the Cowboys are well coached. They're tough. They're gritty. They're not an easy opposition to knock over. Well, I kind of looked at it, again, not being too critical, but I thought first half when the Cowboys had their full complement, they looked the better side. I thought they, uh, they were winning the metre battle. They were putting pressure on. They pinned the Panthers inside their own half and made them bring the football out. Um, they scored some points, and then obviously the turning point there, you lose O'Neill early. Morgan ended up scrapped for the rest of the game with the concussion. Uh, Granville went off for a little bit for the HIA. You had Patrick Mago, who was great on debut, uh, former Canberra Raider, and uh, obviously Junior Kiwi. Oh, sorry, not Junior Kiwi. Junior Kangaroo, a New South Wales player, who ended up playing a lot more minutes than you expect. But yeah. um, I kind of thought that worked in their favour. Some people were saying before, well, we had injuries before I get that. Um, but to play most of the game with only one on the bench and have like Asiata out there and stuff like that, I kind of thought it played into Penrith's hand, and to be honest, the reason I was disappointed is I thought they blew a lot of opportunities. To, I thought they should have blown them away in the second half. Yeah, uh, There was two or three times, like I said, where things were set up on the inside and it got to Moylan, which is why I'm leaning on the May thing again, and he made the wrong decision. I thought they had an overlap two or three times there, and he hit the front man. Once was a knock-on. Uh, another one, he put a kick in, seven tackles set. Twice he got caught in between two minds, whether he was going the lead runner at the back, and he literally dropped the pass in between the two of them. It didn't have enough stake on it to get to the back man. It looked like he wanted to get the front guy. 
Um, I, I still think inside 20, those two don't work together. I think Cleary needs to be in control. I think Moylan still sticks his hand in the pot a little too much, and I think their fifth tackle options are still poor. And then when May comes on, he runs the ball twice. The first time he runs it, he beats two or three, gets halfway through. Second time he plays direct, gets to the line, Cleary backs up, uh, they win the game. Mm. And I honestly think, like I said, that Cleary needs more control. So I know Moylan try, is trying at six to impress himself upon the game, but I just don't think those two work together. No. I hope, I no, hope he I proves me May, wrong. May and Cleary are working better at this point in time. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, I thought Tarmout had one of his best games the other night as well. And Regan Campbell-Gillard, we said that we thought he should have got some consideration in the Origin Arena, and he's one of those guys who plays that style of football and is the kind of front row we need. But hmm. I'll throw this one out there. When you're talking about the front rowers that get to go away for the World Cup right now, um, I'd have him in considerations for the squad. I really would. Find it hard to argue. So, yeah. Uh, I, I would still hope that them, and if the Raiders do get in, they do catch fire because I make the finals a lot more impressive. But I still think Penrith need to improve a lot more. And in particular, your good ball attack. Inside 20 and force and repeat sets, they're two things they can't do at the moment. I think they need to get better. Yeah, Cowboys, very, very gritty. Um, super impressed with the way they played. And like I said, Pat Mega, it's been a long time coming. Massive raps on the kid. Kind of fell off the bandwagon, disappeared up there into obscurity a bit for his first game. Uh, let me tell you, he's a hell of a player. And if he gets more game time, and next year you look at things when you've got Tam, oh, sorry, not Tam, Scott coming back, McLean, if he goes up there, you've already got Hess, you've got Tam Lalo, another big body like that. That could be a hell of a forward pack. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I said the other week. I, did, I, I still don't. I still don't think they deserve to fall out. But if it does go that way, that's harsh. Because anyone else in this situation would have just packed up by now, and the Cowboys are refusing to. They're, they're punching well above, considering the troops they've lost. Yeah, they are. So yeah, uh, yeah I was pretty impressed with them again the other night. Uh, moving on, we've got the Raiders thirty six sixteen over the Warriors. Um, I think sum this one up. They played final football final. We well, were going to need to take the lead because I was at Ravisi's. Well, I can put it to you simple. I was here to surf. This and I was is in no state to watch this game. <laughs> this was almost a complete performance. The weather was poor. They had to defend their line a lot in the second half. But before it got really bad in the first half, Canberra did what Canberra should have been doing all year. They played power football. Boydie's played some of his best football the last couple of weeks. Paulo's played out of his skin. Whitehead's been better in the middle. He's been forced to roll up the sleeves. Austin and Caesar controlled things with the kicking game. They found joy on the left side, particularly with Kotrick. And Croker, but the frustrating thing is, if they would have done this from the word go, they'd be in the top four right now. Yeah, um, they were very impressive, and the Warriors, like people were complaining for the changes that were made, and some of the younger guys were in there. I didn't think they were that bad. Artie Ngano had an outstanding game, uh, in particular in his second stint back up in first grade, and he caught some flack for earlier in the year. But he can't do much if the forward pack's not trying. And you've got to remember that this kid's still twenties eligible. Yeah. So they've invested in long term, but he he was really very very good. I thought Sheck had one of his better games and. Madalino, people were bagging on him at the start of the year. Now that he's healthy and his knee's better, that's a great buy for the Tigers. He had an outstanding game as well. And Sam Lasona, I thought he was exceptional. But, um, yeah, Canberra did all the things that you would have thought they'd be doing at the start of the year. That was a pretty pretty decent performance. And, um, yeah, even people like Leilua and that, they've reeled things in a little bit. There's a lot more control in that Canberra side. And if they keep playing like this the next few weeks, it may come down to that Melbourne game. But, obviously, this week we've got a a cracker between them and Penrith, which, again, is a must-win for the Raiders. And if Leilu is playing and everyone's on board and it's in Canberra and it's a dry track, it should be a good game of football, and I'm leaning towards the Raiders at the moment. But, yeah, quite impressed mm. with the way they played. Well, the Warriors were obviously disappointing. And I I, we're, I was having a bet, so I, I'd laid a bit of money onto the Raiders 13+. plus. did it very confidently, and mm. 
got the cash. It's pretty sad when you you can bet so confidently on a team yeah, that well, has such a good roster and he's playing at home. The Raiders got everything to play for. They've got every chance to be giant killer and season ruiner, really, haven't they, the Warriors? But couldn't produce. No. And Foreign pulled out before this one. So Hingano, Lusaka, oh, sorry, and Lino, I thought they actually played quite well together. They played yeah. a lot of cup together. They were, they were close to the top of the cup competition before these two got taken out of their side. So yeah. I can see why. But last game, it was the Tigers and Manly. Tigers, I thought in this one, they started really fast again. Tedesco, you got Masters. I thought they were pretty good. And Taylor got that try. But Manly just exploded after that. Coruscant squared up on Tim Grant, who I don't know what he was doing. He just mm. did the old plant in the chair and leant over. And Cherry Evans backed up. And um, by half time, you're looking at it when they're on fire there. Uh, Cherry Evans hitting you out with an absolute cracker. And he got a double. Tommy Turbo putting a kick in for him. 20-6, to six, it could have been anything. You're thinking they're going to really put their stable uh, stamp on this game, push for that top four spot that didn't look like it was there last week. But second half, the only thing I can use to describe it is self-destruction. The Tigers came after him, but Manly certainly didn't help themselves. No, and again, they can get into these patches as well with ill-discipline errors and just fall apart. And um, Good on the Tigers. Again, Ivan Cleary we're talking about. They've been better defensively. Their attack's been a lot better. But the main thing is there's fight for a whole game. Yeah. They fought, and they deserved this win. They really, really did. Uh, they took it to the death. People complained about that lead runner. Was it a try? Was it not a try? He got to the inside shoulder. Cherry Evans, as far as I'm concerned, made a bad read, tried to hold on to milk it. Uh, other people compared it the week before when the Tigers and Panthers played and said about the Wallace one or whatnot. <sighs> you know, you could argue either way, but I was glad they gave it a try. I thought it was a try. And in the end, like I said, I just thought they self-destructed and... Luke Brooks has been so much better under Ivan Cleary. I think Lola here had one of his better games as well and scored a nice try. Suasso Sue's been helping the impact off the bench twice since they've got him over. Um, and then, like I said, you just think forward to next year. Packer, Madalino, McQueen already beefs up their forward pack. You've got some real quality guys that have played some rep football. Reynolds coming over. Lola here going back to fullback. Benji, Ivan Cleary, most important person of all, running everything. Um, I know Tedesco is going to be a critical loss, and he proved that again the other day. But yeah, I just I'm looking at the direction they're moving right now, and there's just a real good feeling about them. And we've talked about Newcastle. Agree, yeah. So agree. I saw some of this game, and look, it was a game I thought Manly should have won, but they crapped the bed, and the Tigers were good enough at Leichhardt to get the cash in the end. Yeah, not for Luma, I thought it was Luke, great. I think again. Luke Brooks has really improved under Ivan Cleary. Hundred percent, and uh, a bit like I said before, I think he knew that the point that Moses had got to at the club, and he stance the club, he needed to move him on. Hmm. And Brooks, personality-wise, is the right one that he can kind of mould and groom and do what he needs to do. I think he's done Moses a favour and Brooks a favour. Yeah, well, it looks that way, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah, smart decision there, and uh, big ups to. Uh, Michael Cheekham, he's kind of been in and out. He had some injuries, big raps on him coming out of the grade there, but he made a couple of big plays the other day and he's been better again. Like, Cleary's got the best out of a lot of these guys who mm. you didn't know about, but he forced an error at a critical time there, which got him the opportunity to win that game. And uh, he got an opportunity to start that game as well and, and played quite well. So, yeah. Uh, improvement from a lot of those squad players from the Tigers and good signs moving forward. But that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. So, we'll move on now to the fan questions. And kicking off the fan questions, we've got a few in the, the inbox this week. So Martin Adam, uh, he's got one here for us. And this is probably one for you, Brock. You watch a bit more of the Super League. But he says, firstly, you talk about a lack of alternatives for coaches like Henry, etc. So why don't NRL teams ever take a punt on a proven Super League coach like a Sean Wayne or a McDermott, especially when you seem to think if an Australian coach comes and does okay, despite never winning everything, he's referring to Brown and Robinson, 
Um, and Maguire, you know, he obviously did win a comp, but they get an NRL job. I just don't think they're up to... Yeah, well, they just play a totally different game. I think there's that. Totally I think game. just the, the standard over there. Standards the lower. Training and just all those bits and pieces. Look, I, it'll happen eventually, no doubt. I just don't know whether they're at that point yet. Um, Sam Sam Tompkins is a time to revisit. Oh, so you're off that one straight away. I yeah, don't I, think any of them will come out purely from the levels of the competition, the junior side of it. Coaches. Just all the levels. No, not, and, not, in the, not at the moment. No, no. and the style. It's there just... McDermott. Uh, look, Sean Wayne, I think he'd be the he'd be the one if there was any of them. Uh, the guy at Castleford, I can't think of his name at the, off the top of my head. He he goes okay as well, but it's a different style. It is. It is a very different style. Yeah. And Martin's second question here: Is it time to revisit Sam Tompkins' impact on the NRL? Now, I'm not saying he's anywhere near Billy, but when you look at his stats for his first season compared to Sheck this season, he seems to not only have a bigger impact on the team in terms of points. But the Warriors finished in the playoffs when RTS Warriors this year with a much better team have self-exploded again. Mm. Well, I wouldn't agree it's a better team. I think the forward no, pack I and I've questioned that. side was better. Tompkins had a, a lot better forward pack than this year. You've got a Fowler and a lot of these kids, and which, which was our big question mark at the start of the year. Hoffman's old, Mannering's a lot older than what he has been. Tompkins, uh, Tompkins went okay. He certainly wasn't embarrassed. but I'll put it here. I know he's probably talking about the trial. He, he needed to stick around for longer to develop. You look at Joe, like Joe Burgess. He's look at even Greenwood. They all got better as they went along, but most of them sort of give it up before they um, get the chance to improve and and get up to NRL standard. I can get where he's coming from uh, as far as the sides concerned. Maybe the spine uh, you, you'd consider better, but I don't think the forward packs there. And you're looking at who they're playing with right now as well. You got Ashford in the side. Manu Vatavai is not who he was. Mannering's older. Hoffman's older. I definitely don't think the side's better, but out of the two, I'm still taking Sheck every day of the week. Mm-hmm. And if you put either of them in a Roosters or a Storm side, or if you want to frame it that way and say who would be a better player in a better side, I think Sheck's still a lot better than Sam Tompkins. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's struggled since he's gone back to the Super League as well. Well, he has. You haven't heard of him really. I know he's had some injuries and stuff as well, but um, I'd take Tom, uh, Sheck every day of the week. And the main reason is, forget tries, whether you know stats say he scored more tries than Sheck. Sheck... Every single game, busts his ass, does all the dirty work in yardage. He just work, work, works all the time. Um, I don't think it's a true reflection uh, of his time at the Warriors, whether you say he hasn't had an impact or not. If you watch him every single week, you cannot question his effort, and he's always close to 200 metres. But that sums it up for me in particular is that yardage work. He's constantly working regardless. Yeah. So, uh, cheers for the question, Martin. And we've obviously got a few more on here. Matty Ballantyne, he had one, I think it was in to do with the video referees, and he says, basically, with the video referees needing to be 100% certain a try would have been scored, does Tony Archer provide them with a crystal ball, or do they have to bring their own? So I think he's basically saying he's not too happy about the decision on the weekend. Yeah. How, how do you know when none of the, uh, the decisions are consistent? Well, they've moved the goalpost really after the weekend. If that's if that's what a penalty trial looks like, I'm okay with that. Yeah, but, but there should have been a lot more this it's year. Not. We know that that's, that, that's right. So none of these decisions are consistent. It's very, very hard as an armchair observer to understand what the specific rules are when they're not consistently applied. So the, the criteria for what is a penalty trial is ridiculous. So. Yep, and uh, not clear. Sorry, yeah, not clear. Daniel in the inbox, he brought up uh, the Titans and the dog situations, mate. I'm pretty sure we've covered those pretty well for you. But he said here, 
Sterlo also said Hayne had been poor all year on Monday night, so his thing is right. So why, do you, why the fuck no, didn't he pick? Is that what he's going to say? Why do you pick him for? Yeah, three exactly. Times? So I think Daniel. Exactly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Brock's right with you there, champion. And uh, the last one, I think this is a point we've talked about before, but uh, maybe you're a bit of a newer listener. Daniel, he says here, also, why is Gus so loved out at Penrith? Uh, He gets rid of Lewis, Coote, Jennings, who all win comps elsewhere, then apparently is managing the salary cap so well, yet re-signs on a five-year deal this year, then suddenly cuts Docker, Clay, Lange, Hiku, Martin, Oldfield, Wattins, Lesniak, Saunders, all in the space of a month once the cap is announced likely to be 9.1. He's on 800k a year for what? Well, I think anyone uh, back in the day, mate, you look at that situation, they had to make those changes because Matt Elliott and the board at the time had just made an absolute mess of the salary cap. And Lewis, Coop, Jennings, when we talk about back end of contracts, Tim Grant, McKendry as well, they were also in a situation where they couldn't fill their top 25 spots because they'd spent so much money on those couple of guys. So he did do the right thing, get rid of those players. They had to do that. And the other thing is even Lewis would admit this at the time and, a few of those guys were resisting the changes that they were trying to make in culture and with Cleary and that because it was threatening, you know, obviously the free ride they were kind of getting money-wise and contract-wise, and uh, I think Brock would agree with that. So they made all the moves for the salary cap and for the re- – it had to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and as far as uh, moving forward here – oh, sorry, I've just got this wrong. He was trying to say he re-signed Farah on a five-year deal this year. Well, I thought the length of that deal was ridiculous. Uh, all those other ones you're talking about, Docker Clay, Lengy. Hiku, etc. They were made more to upgrade some of those younger kids. So if you're looking at their 20 side and you've got Harawira and Ira pushing through Edwards, these kind of guys, if they don't find these, uh, you know, little bits of money here to upgrade these contracts, well then these guys are moving on. Harawira and Ira was heading to the Sharks. Edwards definitely would have ended up somewhere. Docker Clay wasn't going to run in their halves, and neither was Lange. And Hiku, let's be honest, for 400,000 a year, he was playing ordinary. So yeah. all those moves are quite right. Well, he's not playing first grade, and they're paying first grade money. So Yeah, exactly. And uh, Zalesniak, again, he was playing cup last year, just got into things, and they're not going to upgrade him when they've got a swag of kids coming through in those positions. So uh, all those moves, mate, were basically made uh, with the, the, the right choices in mind, and uh, I think he's done a pretty good job out there. But those first players you talked about and people that Panthers loved, uh, they were just left in a bad situation by the board and Matt Elliott at the time. and. The contracts were well, well inflated and those guys were resisting the changes that needed to make for the club to go forward. So uh, looking at the depth and the players they've got there right now, they're loaded. So I'd say he's done a pretty good job mm. out at Penrith. But. And it's a, it's a constantly moving picture. It never stops. So someone's value is constantly changing. Yeah. But uh, cheers for the questions, Daniel. Uh, Poindexter, Andrew Pointer on here, he said, is the Hayne-Henry issue more about the two of them? Is it what Ash Taylor wants? a consideration for the club. So that's what you were talking about earlier. You obviously think they should have or would have consulted with Ash Taylor in this situation by now if they want him to be their main man moving forward if they want him to stay. Yeah. Um, The question of whether he's going to stay, I think, is a different question. Well, no one knows that. Yeah, I know. No one knows. I think he's more getting that. They're doing doing all they can to keep Taylor, in my opinion. So if Taylor doesn't want Henry, Henry's gone. 
Yeah, let's just hope. I don't think it's about. I don't think it's as much about Hayne. I think the club and Hayne would agree that at best he's going to leave at the end of next year. So, but Taylor's going to be there for a lot longer, hopefully. Hopefully. David Crellin, are there more teams in the bottom eight at the moment than in the top eight? And I think he's getting on the reference of yeah, the way they're playing, most likely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, we'd have to agree with that, wouldn't we? Yeah. If, uh, I think that one this year we've spoken about a million times. It's been pretty obvious. The difference between the top and the bottom is massive. Uh, Stoney, Wayne Stoneman, why has Brad Fittler never been considered for a mortal status? Do you think he should be? Look at what he has achieved. He's got to be close. He was, he's my all-time favourite player. So, Well, if you're talking in comparison to me, to Smith, Slater, Lockyer, Jonathan Thurston, I don't think he's in before any of those guys. That's Why my not? Opinion. I think they're all better players. Well, I disagree. I think he's on the same level. I think Johns is ahead of him. But the others, they all won comps, played record amount of origin, same as Fittler. So I still think Smith... Fittler played in a shitload of grand finals, might not have won. I think Smith all, and Slater sport. have defined their position since I've been alive, and then you hear about older guys saying the same thing. They could quite possibly yeah, be the best nine-and-four um, ever. Depends how tight the immortal brand is going to be. And Darren Lockyer and Brad Fittler, I know they were both outstanding, but Lockyer, Pretty Mark, similar. golden boot in two different positions, well, played forever. Fittler played centre, Lockyer and 5'8". Yeah, I'm talking golden boot, best in two different positions in the world. That's, yeah, Fittler played pretty good in centres. I'm not saying centers. he's not a good footballer. But played lock for Australia, played 5'8 for Australia. Uh, as far as a mortal status, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think if you're going to put Lockyer in, they have to put Fittler in. I, I think he's Fittler's uh, New South Wales version of Lockyer for me. I think he'd be right on the border. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. Uh, Michael Johnson, Tigers versus Knights was dubbed the Spoon Bowl, but with a recent form, could the Titans and Bulldogs actually be the battle for the Spoon? Well, just mentioned before that I honestly think all things given, roster, coaching, club spend, facilities and that, and Brock agrees, and I'm sure many fans out there, as hard it is to hear from the Bulldogs fans, I think they deserve the wooden spoon this year. Yeah, um, The Titans not far behind either of those sides the way they've been this year. Um, if they had the Spoon, you know, it'd be well-deserved, that's for sure. Chris Cohen, he says here, how's Ivan Cleary got more out of Luke Brooks in eight weeks than Taylor, a decent halfback, did in two and a bit years? What was it? Come Sorry. eight. How's Ivan Cleary got more out of Luke Brooks in eight weeks than Taylor, a decent halfback, did in two and a bit years? Oh, look, probably simplifying his job, moving Moses on. They'd be the two that I'd, I'd say. Moving Moses on gave the team to Brooks and probably simplifying... What Brooks has to do for the team would have been effective. So I, I think they're the two easy and most obvious things. Yeah, Matty White says here, sorry, it'd be hard to read with 140 characters, but he says the importance of going into the finals with good form. Storm have been good, uh, so good all year, but do they have another gear? The Bronx have turned it up. Storm have another gear. Yes. Storm have got another gear. The little flat spots, and everyone does this every year and says it about Melbourne. They look flat, and a few times they've gone in and romped teams in the first week or two. They're not playing all their chips right now, and as good as the Broncos have been the last two weeks, I think, again, they've played two sides in pretty poor form. They are playing well, but you don't want to come in red hot here too, uh, you know, too far out. You don't want to get on a massive six-week streak where you're just absolutely playing out of your skin. You want to be building nicely, heading towards the finals, and we haven't seen... Uh, you know, too many teams come in and maintain a streak for 10 or 11 games before, that's for sure. But no doubt you want to be winning games coming to the finals. But, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about, uh, you know, a side like Melbourne having another gear. I'm sure they'll ramp things up. and um, Absolutely. You know, they'd be taking a break, hopefully, over the next couple of weeks from training and resting a few of those if guys, I'm think, hoping. If people think they're playing their best footy right now, they're kidding themselves. Yeah, and I've said it last week and we talked about it for anyone that listens. Uh, now that the minor premiership is seemingly done for Melbourne, I'd be resting Smith or anyone that's got any niggles and... 
for a week or two and trying to play that last game against Canberra to ramp things up. Well, the up. noise out of Melbourne is that they're not going to. No, well, I've seen this week they reckon Munster's coming straight back in. Harris is the only one who's not ready to go. So, so Bellamy's... Look, the only people one... are so quick to forget. Melbourne lost last year's grand final. Who's the most motivated team in the comp right now? Melbourne. Whether people like it or not, I know a lot of people Melbourne bash, they are the most motivated team in the comp at the moment. Cronk's retiring. Slater doesn't know Please. if he's going to play on either. He's still Good luck refusing beating. to take and it, the Look, contract. if they get beaten, then whoever beats them thoroughly deserves to win. I mean, I'm not saying oh. they're, they're a lock to win it. No. Nah. Look, if I was going to have money, I'm having money on Melbourne. Don't worry about that, right? But um, It's more what I said last week, same deal. I'm usually being a little bit hypocritical or find reasons to think they're not going to win. This is the first time that I'm basically sitting here saying if they don't win, it's... I think it's going to take injuries. If they lose the grand final, anyone, they thoroughly deserve it. Because I think Melbourne, head and shoulders this year, has the best side. Yeah. I think it's the best situation we've ever had depth-wise. I don't think we have a weakness. I really don't. Mm. Um, I think the forward pack's close to one of the best we've had. We've got halves or kids that have been coming in, rolling in and out of the side. We've been winning games. We've missed some of those forwards at different periods. You've got Curtis Scott, who's a young kid. I think he's an outstanding centre. Jerome Hughes, Brody Croft, you name them. They've all came and played well. Stimson scored the match win on the weekend. All these guys that come into this squad at the moment, they're young, and add that with the top end of it, and Billy Slater being reintroduced and having months to play the last two years there. Um, and then all those situations, does Slater play on? Kronk's finished, basically. I don't think he's playing on. They could not be any more motivated. If they lose this year, it's whoever beats them has done exceptionally well. But I honestly Agreed. think at the moment, it's injuries about the only thing they're going to derail Melbourne. Mm-hmm. If they lose, they should be filthy on themselves. Yeah. Uh, Nick, he says, is it time for the charge down to be rewarded with the attacking team not getting six more tackles? It's the dumbest rule in the NRL thoughts. Well, I disagree. Just don't play at the ball. If you're going to go charge down a kick and Make sure you get it. try and pick yeah, up possession, I agree. simple. I like, I like the rule. Otherwise, what's the point of kicking on the last tackle and trying to play for possession? You can't just go up and knock the ball down all the time. Mm. It'd be an absolute mess. We're not playing AFL. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... It's Stephen Price, look at Stephen Price. He was the master of it, but he didn't do it every single game. But when he did do it, he generally got the football back. So um, it's something that if you do it, there's risk and reward. Adam Stevenson, Super League middle eights system. Uh, you would implement in the uh, would you implement it in the NRL? Adds excitement to the bottom four teams fighting for their survival. Well, you can't because there's well, no teams to. Promote. No one's coming up from New South Wales Cup, and the few of the teams are already owned by the NRL because they're not financially viable. So you couldn't have a system where teams are going in and out over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just doesn't work. Me, likey the Roosters, Dub Stan says, can you guys clarify the advantage rule? The Storm getting penalised for the obstruction after Roosters' knock-on didn't make sense. Did you see that? Yeah. I was a little confused by that, to be honest. I hadn't seen that before. Me too. So yeah. the referee basically said he can't turn back on what was a penalty, but after the knock-on and where he picked the ball up, it was pretty compressed in that corner, and now he ducked in behind someone. Surely you just stop play right there and give a scrum. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't think they play their advantage either, so we're as confused as you are, mate. Let's yep. put it that way. Simon Fraser, Moses Mbai is rapid quick, has a lovely kicking technique and defends reasonably well, yet why is he such an average footballer? Well, I think he's limited by the structure at the Bulldogs. I think he played some decent football when he first came in when the forward pack was doing an okay job, but I think the way things have got right now, his confidence wouldn't really be that high. Um, I think... As a nine uh, or a six with a, a decent number seven, well, that's or even the thing. what is he? I honestly, when he was coming to the grades, watching him, I liked him when he was playing like out in the centres, and he played a 
mostly at six, but in the 20s, it's easy to be a good runner of the football when you're a lot better than guys. But I think his biggest strength is his ball running, and I think he can defend really well. So if you're asking me, if you got Kieran Foran like a good seven, I could see him playing uh, as a six. But you've got New Brown going over there. Yeah. Um, so where are you going to play him? I'm not too sure. I, I, I like New Brown as a nine, to be honest, more than I do a half. So I think he's going to be there to play nine. And in that thinking, I think Abai is going to play six. But if Hopwide is a fullback, I don't agree with that. I, I'd honestly, like I said, the next few games, I'd play Abai at fullback to get a look there. They've had a look at nine, but to me, New Brown's your nine. Mm. So he's either playing six or he's playing fullback. But these last few games, what do you got to lose? I'd play him at fullback. I think he's outstanding when he gets his hands on the football. Yeah, hard to argue. Um, yeah, and again, if they can sort out their salary cap mess somehow and you can get someone like May to play six for you, I think you can get a really good balanced spine. But um, I think Mbai is really hurting with the situation. I think he's, again, one of the guys that is trying and he does care. One of the interviews he had the other day was really, really frustrated, but they're just awful at the moment. Sam Knox, would you rather see a sin bin or more penalty tries? Both. Well, he's asking short one answer one or the other well probably more sin bins yeah well, but I'd like to see a five minute sin bin I'm I don't understand you. why if, if it's a penalty try why they why you can't have both why you can't have the penalty try and have the sin binning well I thought that was the whole point the other night as well when they gave it I thought he was going to get sin bin as well no, well they're sort of saying now that's either one or the other I'd love a five minute sin bin see you later yeah. And it's a try. We still want the sin bin as well for the inside 20 for that Roosters tactic that started, and a lot of teams do do it now. Everyone yeah. lays on purposely inside 20 if they feel like they're in trouble because they know the team's going to waste time, talk about what they're doing, kick out and go start on that 10-metre tram again so they get a break and they can reset. Yeah, um, They need to give the five-minute sin bin inside the 20 in particular to discourage teams from slowing things down so they get punished for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skip hops, if the Warriors played the Titans, would they both lose by 20 somehow? Yes. Yeah, that's... Uh, that one will give you 100%. They've both been quite terrible. And uh, I don't know how either of the fans, and you're a Titans fan, obviously, but Warriors fans, this has got to be very, very, very painful watching your team play football for the last couple of games and the way they've been all year. Josh Dean, seen all these upsets the last few weeks with those teams whose season is over, beating teams who have everything to play for, has got me thinking. These teams are obviously winning due to playing less structured with a throwing caution to the win attitude and a coming up trumps. You boys think it could be a style of play that could be used all year long with a weaker, with a weaker roster that could shake up the comp a bit. Oh, man. Uh, I'm not too uh, not too sure they're yeah, throwing they should to play the win. Less, every team should play with less, less structure. structure. I don't think they've gone completely caution to the win, though, with no structure at all. Mm. Um, I think the Newcastle in particular the other day, I didn't think they threw caution to the win. I think they're rolling Just a lot better. And power. They're yeah. playing some football and putting some offloads in, but I think they're just more confident because it has been two years now with these kids and they've got Bure and a couple of guys back from injury and I think, you know... They've got everything to play for these last couple of games, so they don't have to worry about the ladder anymore. But Pretty much. Um, I don't know about throwing complete and utter caution to the win. There has been proven what you're talking about, though. Teams playing a bit more freely last year in the Raiders that it can work and beat a lot of sides. But we've also seen this year teams like the Sharks with errors. It's cost them. Uh, the Raiders obviously lost a lot of close games as well. So you need some freedom in your football, but you can't uh, go away from structure completely, that's for sure. Benny Stora. Uh, he says, West Tigers, David Nofaluma. I think he's improved from good to great under Ivan Cleary's tutoring. Do you grad, uh, lads agree? And using your crystal ball, where do you see the team finishing next year, middle of the pack? Uh, good to great, I don't, I don't agree with. I think he's playing similar sort of football. Um, where do you still do it? I'll see them finishing next year, just outside the eight. 
Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, mid-packs, I think they'll be in that battle for the eight. Well, they could have made the eight last year. Yeah. So, and I think I they've think, sort of lost a few. I think Tedesco is going to be a huge, huge loss. Huge loss, yeah. And you're going to have to see what Lola here does there and how Reynolds and Brooks work together. Well, they're not going to be Tedesco. Nah. So, yeah, that and whether, the f- they've, whether they've holistically improved the rest of the squad enough I, to make up for that is going to be the big question. I think the forward pack's going to be better. But, yeah, I'd probably say same deal, maybe pushing for the eight, but I don't see them getting in. I, I think they'd maybe just miss out. Graham Wright, two questions. Brock, what time did you finish the City's surf? And also, should the NRL seize the day and push on into Perth now that the union side has fallen off? Uh, I did the City to surf in 92. So uh, I did it in 90... I did it in 100 minutes the first year. I uh, did it in 95 last year and then 92 this year. So I'm getting slightly better. Yep. As I get older. And should they push into Perth right now? And I had 92 beers after it as well. Yep, good times. And should the NRL push into Perth now? Yes, if, if... Well, no, not if... They, I don't think they should rush it. But if the Titans thing's going to fall over... Yeah, ideally, yes. But expansion's not on the... It's not on the agenda. No. We don't have the player depth. Ideally, yes, we'd love to push into there. It's a perfect opportunity. But do you want to go in there and rush it? No. When you don't have the infrastructure around it? No. So I think... Is there an opportunity in Perth? Yes, but are we ready to seize it? No. Yeah. Mitch Madley, if you boys were coaching an NRL side, how much would you pay realistically for Jared Hayne at this point? Look at him now. I couldn't pay him any more than two hundred and fifty to 300000 Loose lips sink ships. Jared says this, but then buries any team culture that the Titans had due to his ego being bigger than Mount Everest. Give yourself a triple, you flog. Titans give yourself one, two, rant over. I wouldn't... If I was coaching, I... I wouldn't want him at all. I wouldn't sign him at all. I so wouldn't it wouldn't matter. matter. I wouldn't want him for 80000 I wouldn't want him for minimum wage. I, I just don't want him. I don't want him full stop either. But if you had to put a value on him right now... A value, if I had to put a value on his performances, 200 Yeah. He's, if that... And even if you're going off all the rep stuff and his manager was trying to flog him off to... You're not paying much more than basically what you said, 250 300 and You'd better have a bloody good coach to deal with what's going to come uh, as far as the baggage is concerned. That's for yeah. sure. Edge Matthews, Bennett's move to put Thidate Hooker for the first 20 minutes a game changer. Then they unleash Ben Hunt like Berrigan in 06. Do you guys think they have any chance of beating the Storm? Remember, grand finals are a one-off game, sorry. However, the Storm are full of class and Bellamy touch. Well, I think they're playing a little more freely now that he's at nine because, you know... If you think that Thidate and this this Hooker stuff for Brisbane is going to have an impact on whether they can beat Melbourne or not, I think you clutching at straws. Yeah, I, I don't see that much, and I'm not going to compare it to Berrigan because he was already an international, I think, before he started playing in that nine position. So I'm um, looking at that situation. I think they're playing good football, but again, they flogged the Titans by 50, and then they're playing a shark side that's battling at the moment. So um, hopefully the Dragons show a little bit more against them this week, but I'm not too sure that's going to be much. But the last two games, we say they were playing the Cowboys and who? Eels. So yeah, hopefully they'll get a tougher test against those two sides. They got lapped by the Eels a couple of weeks ago. And we'll so. get a real gauge of how they're going. Uh, Robert, you said in that coaching stuff the other week? Yep. Hopefully that helped you out, champion. Uh, I know someone has asked about this particular incident, but seeing the Vunavali leg lift or hurdle incident or whatever you want to call it, it's pretty obvious that players are pulled up and judged based on the severity of an injury resulting from foul play, which we have talked about before. Had Vuni sconed someone in the melon and knocked them out, uh, he would have been out for weeks. Players get hit high every week, but seemingly only get charged if it results in an injury. I hate to flog the C word like everyone else, but there is no consistency. 
why they don't look at the Super League system and make some changes based on their officiating is beyond me. By the way, the last name is pronounced exactly as it is spelt. So there you go. He's trying to give me a bit of help there. Tennis also, hurt. your pronunciation of the Warriors is just fine, Lewis. <laughs> Cheers for the coaching yeah. tips the other week too, fellas. Keep up the good work. No problem. I can't remember who it was the other week. Who had a problem? The, War- the Warriors. I don't think they've come back. I don't know. I'm going to keep saying it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, if that one thing bothers you enough to make you stop listening to the show, you've got a problem. You need a, you need a real issue in your day. Yeah. Uh, well, as far as that's concerned, mate, we've said it before, and uh, I will say it again. It is judged sometimes an injury. Look at Cade Snowden's shoulder charge. We've seen a couple of them that year, but as soon as he popped Ray Thompson in the face and he's pissing out blood and had a broken jaw, all of a sudden he got eight weeks. Um, I think the one outlier, though, and brought this up last year when we saw it, that hit that Tapio got no charge for when he slogged Jack Bird in the face and caved him at Brookvale that was after he took about five steps. That's like a four or five-week suspension hmm. to in my books. And then you see CSO the other week. Again, we both thought it was unintentional, but you shouldn't hit him late because the result is when you get somebody and he slipped making it worse that they can end up uh, you know, off the field on a stretcher. But uh, the one outlier for me in the last couple of years, and I think he got away with one the weekend, people aren't happy, but... The only real one that's bothered me as far as uh, injury or effect on a game, that one last year was like only round three or four, but they replayed it. No one said anything of it. Like he absolutely clubbed Jack Bird. Yep, he um, did. But yeah, mate, uh, uh, consistency, it's definitely not there, but he's got to find uh, how they were going to charge it. I don't know. I still would have given him at least a week or two because it was absolute insanity, but I uh, hope the coaching stuff did help out. David Spadaro, did you two ever play against each other back in the day? What was the banner like? Grubby talk or top quality analysis? Uh, we're four years apart, so we never played against each other. No. Um, we never got to play together either because by the time I was kind of getting to that senior football, I was you know into the rep stuff and Brock was finished up by then. But um, if we ever would have played together, I think it would have been interesting. Yeah, it would have been all right. We've played a little bit. I was tagged together and we link up a little bit, but I was tagged obviously very different to a game of tackle, but... That's probably the only thing I haven't got to do that I would have loved to have do is play a game of, uh, you know, actual proper tackle footy with Boxhead. Yep. Andrew Wales, hearing rumours Maloney to the Knights, done deal. Uh, I can't see it, mate. Mm-hmm. I can't see it. They've already bought Watson. you got Ponga. you got Lamb. They re-signed Jack Cogger. Um, they got a lot of kids there that are stocked up. Uh, Maloney going there right now, again, I don't see happening unless they can get someone to replace him. Wow. Because if you've got farmer, does that mean Cronk's going to Cronulla? Well, I don't know. That's that, so. The only reason he would be going to the Knights, I think, is if they've got Cronk. So mm. if so, uh, that's pretty big. But to be honest, as a Melbourne man, I think Cronk's been ordinary. So if he's coming to Sydney, I, I tend to agree. I think Love sent him off the rails, mate. When the football was all his focus, he was very, very good. Uh, I don't think it's been his best year, though. That's for sure. No, it hasn't. I think he's been quite ordinary. But hopefully, he finds a, a bit better form for the finals. And Andrew again. Says, can't believe after Friday night the Sharks are still in the top four thanks to the footy gods. Well, mate, you know, there's a couple of teams around them losing some games as well and uh, a few teams inside the eight having a patchy couple of weeks has hopefully spared them a chance. So, fingers crossed for you, they can pull themselves together because at the moment, they're looking quite flat. Uh, Dominic Peter-Peter, could Hayne fix the Warriors' culture problems? And he's obviously put a laugh at the end of that. No. Definitely not, but he'd fit right in with his attitude yeah. and the way he carries on, that's for sure. And he's... Consistency of performance. Oh, that's right. Troy Byrne, how good will the Cowboys be next year if they can avoid another plague of injuries with all the experience earned by the team and its second-tier roster and the gun backs, including McLean? Uh, is there is it their last chance for a tilt at the title during this window, or do you think this year's injuries are a blessing for the future without JT? 
Oh, you, you never want to lose a year when you're in the premiership window. And that's what they've basically done. They're, they're looking very good in the eight, but they're not going to be able to win it, I don't think. Whoa. And that's solely down to the fact that they've lost their best forward yeah. and their best half. But so, he, leading to next year is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah I get that. I, I think I, I get next that. year... They'll be better. I think but how do you know how Thurston's going to come back? How do you know how Scott's going to come back? Yeah, I get that. But I think they're going to be better full stop. As far yeah, as the side's concerned, yeah. you get McLean in, like I said, Mago the other day. If those guys are on the field. Mago's an outlier, Tamalolo, Hess. I think they're going to have a massive pack um, if they can blend back in. But the main thing is, does Thurston work back in with the other guys now who have stepped up? Does Morgan yeah. still have the control he's had? You've never seen this kicking game. You've never seen this control from Morgan. I think he's been close to one of the best halves in the comp since Thurston's gone out. Like, that's how good I think he's been playing. Yeah, um, I'd put him right up there. Granville's come back into the spotlight. He's been forcing dropouts, scoring tries. I hope Thurston next year, it is his last season. I know he loves to get so hands-on and control things. If they can find a balance between those guys, they're going to be more dangerous. I really do think they can, uh, you know, give things a shake next year. And you're talking about their depth. They're, obviously, they've got some uh, decent outside backs and um, they're pretty well set up. The one you've mentioned, McLean, though, I think McLean's been okay at Melbourne, not great. He needs to find another level there next year. But he can definitely uh, get there if he can play some consistent football. Josh Davies, can a coach who has a winning record of less than 50% in their first two years turn it around and win a comp? 100%. Depends where they are. Depends on the players they've got. You can have a, a winning record less than 50% if you're in a side like Ivan Cleary or Nathan Brown and you've got absolutely nothing going on with your roster if you can rebuild it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, winning percentage doesn't mean a whole lot. It depends on where you are, the players you've got, the environment you're building, um, things like that. So, yeah, I wouldn't take too much in a winning percentage. Uh, Johnny Juice, do you boys think Penrith can make the, the top four? 15 wins and nine losses, 34 points, with the best four and against usually gets you four spot. They have Eels and Sharks covered on four right now. They need Eels and Sharks to drop one more game each and win all three of their remaining games, which is a pretty tough draw. Mm. I don't see them Talking in the top four. Talking about draws again. I don't see top four, mate. They're playing three teams that are implicated for the finals right now, so... Uh, yeah, I'm not giving that to them. And I think the Eels, again, we don't want to talk about the draw, but Eels, Sharks, all these kind of guys who have already got that extra win, I think they'll end up in the top four. Um, Roosters, Broncos, I think it will lock up two of the spot. To me, there's only one spot left in the top four. Roosters, Broncos, Melbourne are in the top four to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one spot left, and I don't see them getting it. Uh, Shane Branson, is Hasler odds on for the Titans gigging if he takes the job? Oh, Do you think dear. he will have some success there with a more creative halves pairing? I can't understand how he had some great years with Manly, but has been on a decline since hitting Bankstown. Well, I can tell you why, because that Manly side wasn't really coached. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't coach it at all, but that was just one of those groups that stuck together, took salary cap cuts. You got foreign come through at the same time that you had Cherry Evans come through. Before that, you had Matt Orford, Jamie Lyon, the Stewart brothers, Beaver Menzies was still there, great pair of centres. You know, like they had a really good side. And I'm not saying he didn't coach it at all, but he didn't put that crap structure and he had with that team. You had Watmow and an aggressive forward pack and a couple other guys. And like I, I think that's you can't compare those two sides at all. No. And I think again, like I said, near that the, they kind of were one of those ones where he may have put some tweaks or did some recruiting, but I don't think he coached that side a whole lot. They didn't need a whole lot of coaching. That was stacked. Yeah. Um, and I think you've seen. Mind you, he built that club from the ground up. I know he built that club from the ground up, but a lot of those guys come through their junior setup, and they obviously bought a few of them as well. But I think no, he bought Ben Kennedy in, he bought Young Watmo in, bought Orford in. He did a good job at Manly. He did a good job. Great job. 
but I, I don't know what's put him on this path he's on right no, now. No, I don't, I don't know either. Um, and as far as creative halves pairing is concerned, I think it's got nothing to do with it when he thinks his front rowers are his half champion. So um, I, if I'm the Titans, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. And, uh, yeah, very different team he had at Melbourne. But I think he needs a year off and to reinvent himself, watch some football and try and get back to, to ground zero, like you're talking about what he did at Manly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matty Ford, Mattress, any possible rule changes you think they'll make for 2018? I know you guys have the seven-tackle Hate, set. I think it means hate the seven-tackle set. Yeah, well, we do I hate the seven-tackle yeah. set. Uh, he said maybe it should be seven tackles for a 40-20 or repeat sets, get seven tackles, try and encourage some positive footing. I still don't think it's going to... An extra tackle is not going to change the way that teams are playing. No, nah, I think everyone tries to play that boring thing. Uh, that's the one pet hate for me as well. I think they need to encourage quicker... Like the quicker taps, feeding scrums quicker. Yeah. Allowing teams when they kick a 40-20 to tap it as soon as they get down there. That'll encourage positive footing. I'd reduce the shot clock and the scrum clock because I think they brought in for that reason to bring it down for a minute or whatever it was, but they still use the whole thing. Yeah. They stand there. I'd bring it back down to maybe 20 seconds or 15 seconds, something like that. Yeah. So you don't get a whole 20, lot of 20, I think, is a good number. Yep. Mateo Grasso, why did everyone find Vunavalo's brain snap so funny? Instead of being angry and demanding, he got sent off. <laughs> oh, dear. He's jumped, up and sent lifted, off. he's jumped up and lifted his knees in the past, uh, defenders to break tackles, but this time he aimed head high. What if one of his knees hit a rooster player in the head? I don't believe he was trying to jump over the defenders like a lot of commentators are joking about. I just thought it was a brain snap. I thought it was a brain snap. I don't know what you're referring I think he's to been... as far as in the past jumping. I've never seen him jump with his knees before. No, I don't think he's that crazy. I think it was complete insanity. But and it's someone off. who hasn't played league his whole life. He's just an athlete. Yeah, he's been playing for a couple of years. I'm not making any excuses for him again being a Melbourne person. I thought it was insanity. I thought he might have got a week or two, but... Uh, yeah. I don't know how they're going to charge. What are they going to charge him? With? Well, that's kind of what I was they, saying. So they're going to charge him with dangerous contact. Well, they charged him with contrary. But did conduct. he make? Did, so what are they? They charge him with contrary conduct. Contrary conduct, and he got a fine. He didn't get right. anything else. Because so. you can't, you can't charge him for dangerous contact because he didn't make contact. No, I think they're get more getting at you say it again and it didn't make contact. What if it did? If it did, yeah. he'd probably be suspended. Well, Bellamy didn't defend him. Bellamy said it was a bit crazy and yeah, didn't um, understand why he did it. So I'm not defending him either. But don't again. exaggerate it, Matteo. I think it is what it is. It was stupid. Um, it's not a send-off because we've seen instances that are ten times worse than that, like the hit on Slater that aren't a send-off. The hit we were talking before about yeah, tap out, tap out clubbing Jack. They're Bird. send-offs. Yeah. Um, this this there was no intent to injure. There was intent to do something outrageous, and it was no <laughs> doubt a brain snap. But yeah, yeah. That, that's all it was. Pure stupidity, mate. I don't know what he was thinking. I, I thought he may have got a week or two somehow, but yeah, they've come up I with think a he's fine. Just immature in, inside the game. Yeah. Well, he's immature, but it was stupid. He is young, but yeah. I don't. I haven't seen anything else from him before like that. Yeah, clearly, like he doesn't have a track record since he's been in. He's he's an angry man. He doesn't mind mixing it up, but I don't think he's dirty yeah. or does things like that all the time. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack Package, why hasn't the loss of Greg Bird been brought up? Uh, he's the first one Ryan James called up to talk. Such a massive loss. A controversial guy who gave his all to a struggling team. No, he didn't. There you go. Brock's not a fan of Greg Bird. No. Played his best games for New South Wales, not the Titans. Yeah, I was going to say. Birdie, Nate Miles, a few guys that played there. I'd agree with Brock. And Oh, mate, isn't Greg Bird going well over in Catalans? I don't watch the Super League. He's going terrible. So Terrible. Yeah. Time already, to go, Greg. And already, they've just replaced him with someone else who's playing dog shit and Jared Hayne. So, yeah, well, track record of buying people. Nate Miles. Who's in, gone to the Gold Coast and really lived up to their potential? Scott Prince did for a period. Luke he Bailey got us before to, he lost his legs. Yeah, Matty Rogers. LaFranchi, he was good. Preston, all those, they got us to a preliminary final, right, right near a grand final. That's, that's delivering on your status and on your money. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, I thought Greg Bird, same as you. Jared really. Hayne hasn't even influenced one game positively this year. One no, game. There's one, but it didn't matter. What we, one? we mentioned it. Everyone went on about that performance at Campbelltown. You've been no, a reserve great Tigers. He didn't influence that game. The game was won when he scored those two tries. Yeah. That was Ash Taylor influencing that game. Even the field goal last year, he kicked the field goal, but I'm talking about the whole game. Yeah. You want you want your best players to control and win new games from zero to eighty, not just for one or two plays. Yeah. Shits me. Yep. Uh, so there you go. Brock's a no on the Greg Bird. Uh, Jamie Wesley. Hi, guys. I've said it before. I love the podcast. My wife is worried about me. I didn't kick the cat after the manly loss on the weekend. After we signed Uate, I really didn't have any hope in the world of making the top eight. How wrong I was. Uh, only whinge I have today to get rid of the strip rule, teach players to carry the ball. Yep. All right. Fair enough. And he's gone. Yeah, that's go fine. Again. Go the Hawks. Yeah. Stick it. Come, mate. Patriots. Diego Montoya. Get, get, your, get your Bible out and read it with Russell. Russell. Love it. Diego Montoya, who do you rate as the most versatile utility in the comp in today's game? Does every team need a player with some utility value in their 17? No, yeah, they do. You do. Uh, whether you've got the luxury of playing him off the bench or not is a different story. Well, utility. The best are. utility. Not everyone uses utility, though. No. Melbourne don't really. Oh, they've got guys that are versatile, like Kenny Bromwich, who can play a few spots, but... If you're going to go like a pure utility in general, I'd say someone like a Morgan who plays seven at club football. Jack Bird. When he plays for, you know, the origin side of the Australian team. Mm. You've seen him now play as a dominant seven, plays good as a six, can play at centre. Played fullback and had a great year the year before he started playing at six again. Yeah. Uh, a Bird, like you said, can play 13, six, centre, fullback. Tyrone, mate. Tyrone Peachy is one, Peachy, again, who's yeah. played lock. He can play in the halves. He can play nine. There's guys like that. If you're going to talk about a utility, they've obviously got spots, but... May, like Brock said, half the reason we love him. I think his best spot is six, but in the juniors, he's played fullback. He played Aussie Kangaroos as a 13. They used him at not, uh, nine for a bit. He's he, played centre, back row, fullback, lock. He's done every job. Five, eight, hooker. They're yeah. the kind of guys you want. Uh, some teams use one. I've said it before that off the bench or you know, in your side, you need to have someone like a Ryan Madison, someone who has the pedigree as a junior Kangaroo, New South Wales Blues number six, who's now playing back row, centre, and doing a good job. Like, mm. They're important to have those guys. Wade Graham, again. Puts kicks in, plays on the left edge, can play tight as a lot, can play six for you. Um, those guys are important. Most teams do need to have one on their bench, but I prefer it be a forward and utility who can play in the halves or something like that, like a Madison, like a Way Graham, like a Jack Bird. Uh, Benny Names, randomly found myself thinking about Nigel Plum the other day and what a good player he was. Who in the current NRL who uh, would you least like to run at? least like to run at oh, I've seen it a few times in the last couple of weeks and he's an angry angry man I don't want to run at a soft Solomona mm, I don't, don't I want to run at a bloke I have run at and I learned the hard way and a few people have and they don't really go at him anymore either I don't want to run at Josh Papali I got folded a few times at Canberra in a sandpit running him that wasn't a good time uh, I don't want to run at Jared Jared's a psycho you don't want to run at Jared Maria just trying to think yeah there's not too many people that really scare you these days, I don't think. I do, wouldn't want to run Jared it. does. Be Napa and Jared, I don't run it either. Yeah, Napa. They're nah, both insane. Nelson, the soft Solomona, I don't want to run at. We hit Ferguson on the weekend. Well, wow. Harley, like I said, I have run at. It wasn't a good time, and he's whacked a few people. They kind of avoid him these days. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any like genuine... There's not a lot of hitmen anymore, though, is there? No. They're decent technique or a real good shot, but... All time, would have been Adrian Morley. Oh, stay away from Morley. Daniel Ryan, if the Dragons don't make the eight, should they still consider this year a success considering they were viewed as a spoon contender at the start of the year or a failure, seeing where they were mid-season? Uh, oh, tough one. 
I think given the start of the year, they'd be severely disappointed they'd be, as a they'd club. They'd be happy. Uh, no one likes doing From their that. own personal perspective, they'll be disappointed because they would have seen themselves as a top eight side. Yeah. I think for the way they started and the way they, they'd finished, they'd be severely disappointed. Yeah, and that's – yeah, I think you've kind of framed it. I think given NRL, everyone thinks they've got a chance of winning the comp, whether that's realistic or not. Mm. Um, yeah, the start of the year they had, they'd definitely think that they should be in the finals, so they should be disappointed if they miss out. Jay Smith, hey boys, cheers again for the awesome podcast. Just wondering, and it may be a stupid question, so bear with me. Why are trades during the season and pre-season not a thing in rugby league the way they are in, say, the NBA? And is it a bad idea? Yeah, well, because the freedom of trade basically got thrown out in court legally. So, well, what, what restraint of trade to say that you have to work Go here? Or, yeah, that... I, got challenged and it basically got rid of the draft and therefore got rid of any trades. I'd love to see the trades. I love yeah. American sports are 50 years ahead of us I'll, here in Australia. If taking the trades out, though, I, I've said it before, we still need to have a window as far as I'm concerned where yeah. players can leave and come and go middle of the year if teams want to. I know they've got like a deadline where it does kind of happen, but I think you should be able to open discussion in the off-season and the season and have a bit of a window where players go to their club and say I want out and they can go kind of try and source things not so much a trade but like a, a, a window there where things can happen mm. at season start I'm also getting to a point and this may be a little bit outlandish I'm getting to the point where I think the NRL should take full responsibility for the development of players I think a lot of clubs don't value development a lot of clubs put a lot of money into it to development there's a lot of areas where they have a huge advantage to one club and not another so the disparity around development and who gets what is a little bit skewed for me so I'd like to see similar to what they do in the NFL and NBA or whatever you don't have teams basically underneath you the game controls development or they have college systems over here we could easily have uh, like a New South Wales Cup and a, a Queensland Cup based around those teams that are in the Queensland Cup and your Mounties and your Norths and your, all these sides that aren't in the New South Wales Cup and let them control development. Let the NRL clubs be financial, make as much money as they can from the NRL point of view, have a reserve grade or whatever. But outside of that, the NRL deals with development. Yeah. And then we could have a draft. We could have trades. You wouldn't be affiliated with any club up until you play in the NRL. You'd be a Mounties junior or you'd be a Blacktown junior or a Brothers junior well, that's or an Ipswich junior. The difference between us and the AFL as well. Sort of moving you, towards you that. You don't have an association until you get to the draft and the only other thing that gets you to a club is if you have the Because I look at what the Panthers do and how much money they spend and what return do they get on that development. Well, I saw it in Canberra and look what happened. Milford and a couple of guys they brought up all ended up... Pangai Jr. went back to the Broncos. Milford went back to the Broncos. Getting, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know whether I'm fully there, but I'm starting to see the value maybe in holistically as a game because you're going to have... Imagine the draft night would be huge. The combines, the... You know, all these different things that are promote our game and make our game great. Yeah. Um, and it'd also take away from the politics, in my opinion, that are, that are based around the game. In the, Well, I think the big issue when we come back to it... We're and put, the, and the, the, this crap where you're poaching players and all that sort of shit that goes on at the junior level. The way the NRL is at the moment, you couldn't put enough faith in something like this to ever happen, really. No. We can't even run the game as is now. So, uh, mm. yeah. Wishful thinking, but... See what happens in the long term. Yeah, but, but look at, like, oh, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but look at something like the Ron Massey Cup. These clubs like Mounties and St Mary's are spending so much money on that, which is players that are on the way down, 
imagine if you incentivize it to, to for them to put that money into development and spend that money on the junior kids rather than these ex-first graders and these these A-grade players, basically, these park footballers. Mm. The money should be going to the kids. Yeah, well, I'll give a little bit. To, they spent a lot on the older guys, but I think the ones coming through that still get a run, some are coming through Massey and that and playing maybe some 20s and that. But again, even the 20s, mm. you know, kind of reached that point now where it's, uh, you know, not churning out a whole lot of players. Any of the decent ones go straight in the cup. I think yeah. they need to rethink the pathway full stop, like we've said before. Yeah. Um, I think there's too many competitions at the moment. It's diluted the younger age the groups. Product, yeah. Diluted comps like A grade that when you were playing, when I was young, going to watch were really good. I think now. Well, yeah, you could run in as an 18 year old. I was running into guys that were just coming out of the NRL. Grade, yeah. yeah. But they've brought in Shield, Massive, they've spread it all out and diluted it, and there's money, and guys will just go everywhere. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's all way too spread out the junior level. But yeah, we've gone off on a massive tangent there. Dominic Peter, again, he says, would you would another team pay 800k for Hayne to come if the Titans picked up an extra 400? If not, what do you think he's worth? Well, I'd, I'd pay him. I'd rather be on the other end of I'd the pay deal. him 400. If you're going to get three, leave. 400, and the, another team's going to pick up 800. But again, I don't see any club picking him up. And the only two coaches that could probably control him wouldn't want him anyway at this point or couldn't afford to have him. Based on his performances and say his name isn't Jared Hayne, what club is going after him? No one. You, sh- you wouldn't want him. After what you've seen. Uh, Zach Maitland, Dane Gagai, two things. First, I don't think I've seen him not beat the first attempted tackler for about two years. For a lightly built lad, he is very strong and slippery. 100%, mate. Uh, in partic- particular in origin, he was outstanding. Second, do you think he may be having some reservations about joining Souths after seeing the Knights on the up and up? Well, I don't want to say it came down to money, but he got more money to go. Um, I think he's been part of that build up there for a long, long time. I see us in a much better position at the moment. Not really. They probably have a few bigger names individually in Sam Burgess and, and Reynolds and that on their roster, but I'm sure he's friends with Greg Inglis and a few of those guys as well. bit of extra money, change of scenery. So I think more of those things. I don't think he'd be really disappointed he's leaving, but, um, yeah, I think he's just looking for a change of scenery after putting in hard work probably for three or four years that he's been there. Sean Chan, if the Henry rumours are true... Who would you sign to take over and who do you think will actually get the job? I don't want to think about either. I just I wouldn't fire Henry, but if they did, I don't know who you'd hire. I'd like to see Seabold get it. If out of all the ones that were floated, Seabold and I've said before Demetrio, but he's not going there. But out of all the ones mentioned, not Garth Brennan, none of those guys, I would be getting Seabold probably as well if someone was on the market. Yeah. Uh, Benny Richards, James Maloney has been giving penalties away and missing loads of tackles all year. Should he be in the Australian team at the end of the year? Well, in current form, you'd say no that way. Morgan would be in there starting before Maloney would at six. Yeah, Morgan's been be. outstanding. And yeah. uh, if Cronk's there, even though I don't think his form has been great, he was part of the winning series. So they're more likely to stick with him, Smith, Slater, if you're going to pick that spine, which they probably will. But Morgan, for me right now, would be the six. If yeah, you're going off Based on origin. Two origin setups in his club form, which has been brilliant considering players have fallen out. Matty Hunt, here he is. Boys, I think we can all agree on the passenger of the week being oh. Jared Hayne. My word, this bloke could well get passenger of the year. He's failed to deliver on his 1.2 mil worth, and other than a field goal, Campbelltown last year has made no contribution to a Titans win. But even that, that was only at the end. Yeah. Don't know too much about Neil Henry as a coach, but I do know Hayne is not suited there at all. This passenger can definitely say goodbye to a spot as centre for New South Wales. Hello, Jack Bird and or Dylan Walker. Yeah, agree. Mate, no one's going to disagree with you. Matty, good work. Daniel Friend, I've got two this week, fellas. Favourite venue to watch a game and our best hangover cure. I've been extremely dusty for the last few Sundays. Uh, Favourite venue to watch, Suncorp. Uh, ANZ when it's packed is great. 
And but my favourite stadium is Allianz. I love Allianz. Ah, uh, well, after being to a couple of Origin deciders, I'd go with you. I think Suncorp, awesome. Yeah, we've been there for that. Allianz, oh, sorry, not Allianz. Grand final that ANZ is good, but other than that, I think it's pretty. Yeah. Pretty average as far as club footy though, and I don't know if it's just because I get to do some cup football there. Even when attempting, I love Leichhardt. Mm. I've uh, I enjoy doing the cup games there. I haven't been to a game uh, as of yet, an uh, actual NRL game at Leichhardt. But when every time I go there for New South Wales Cup, I really just like the ground. I'm a big yeah, fan. Yeah, it's a nice ground. Uh, uh, hangover cure. Hangover cure, mate. Dirty bird. I'm the, all about the KFC and lots of coke. Drink a lot of coke the day yeah, after. Before I go to bed, usually I punch in a couple of Panadol Rapids and a, and a coke, and yeah. then in the morning I got to have something. Dirty. Well, before bed, it's. Or usually, I, I usually I drink two days on the bounce. So yeah, well, hair of the dog usually helps. But if you're not looking for hair of the dog, I usually do what Brock does, but with a Gatorade. So you got some electrolytes. I force myself to stay awake for about an hour. I have a Powerade to uh, Penadol and try to have a bit of water after that. But next day, dirty bird all the way. Always get a KF. Next day, get a dirty feed in and then punch a couple more in. Yeah, good times. And the last one we got here, Kyle Thorrington. Have the people at the top of the NRL always been so disconnected with the fans and general public of the game, or is this? new to the modern day game. It really seems like they don't have the general public's best interest at heart whenever they're making decisions. Oh, I ran all went on a rant about this before. I agree. Yeah, well, everything. Ticket prices, drinks, food, game day, just everything. It, they're very much disconnected. And I've seen the poll that the Daily Telegraph was running the other day about the state of the game and uh, all those issues were brought up in it and lots of bits and pieces. So, yeah. mate, uh, I'd probably agree that they're, they're well off the mark at the moment. They're not really doing that good a job, are they? Mm-hmm. Massive amount of questions, and uh, we've almost hit the two-hour mark before we even had gossip on. Yeah, let's get him on. That all kicked off with our Titans rant that almost went for half the hour. But yeah. uh, moving on now to Mr. Gossip, we'll get uh, any dirt and tips and bits and pieces that he has for us. Brought to you by WilliamHill.com. But a big thank you also must go to Richmond Residential, as we've mentioned before, uh, sponsoring the show, chipping in for our charity, the Great Walk Foundation. If you want to give them a hand. Check out their Twitter page or their website, thegreatwalkfoundation.com.au. Uh, they do outstanding work in the community in Hawkesbury, the Blue Mountains area in general, uh, community buses, stuff for hospital that they can't get funding for. They do a great job. But Richmond Residential are a strategic financial management consultancy. They deliver a broad range of highly effective wealth creation solutions for the commercial and non-commercial financial sectors. They offer financial strategy, equity loans, commercial loans, financial management, mortgage restructuring, debt consolidation, leasing finance, real estate investment, superannuation, all things that we need to worry about in our lives. Uh, Their professionals have a strong client focus and they're dedicated to help you achieve financial success that you want. They work with you and they work for you. If you want to contact them today on 0288-244-4000 or you can follow them on Facebook or LinkedIn and you can even book a complimentary strategy session and visit them, their suite at 4.15 of 33 Lexington Drive, Bella Vista, New South Wales, 2153. Thank you to Ange and the people over there at Richmond Residential. And uh, one of our listeners, I think it was Daniel, one of the Titans fans, isn't he? Daniel Friend. Mm. Hit me out last week when I brought up mortgages and all that kind of stuff and said he can help us out with a mortgage. Really? Good times, Dan. Stop it. Love your work, mate. Low interest rates. Anyone out there, bits and pieces like that, Richmond Residential, if you're looking for any help with the financial stuff, and Dan the man on mortgages, mate. Good stuff. Boom. But moving on now to Mr. Gossip, brought to you by WilliamHill.com. And we welcome back everybody's favourite, sponsored by Codrill now. Not really, but I think we're just going to start saying it and hopefully they finally hear us. Mr. Gossip. (laughs) 
Mate, feeling much better this week, and only three weeks to go, boys. Very excited. Mate, you're sounding very clear. Maybe it was the Codrill. Maybe some Vicks. Vicks are a good one. Get them on board. Yeah, Vicks, the old rub the Vicks in the chest. Hey? I, uh, I used half a tub before City to Surf on oh. Sunday. Don't worry about that. Hey, all, all over the chest, all the way up the nose. Boom. Just hey. the chest? Uh, yeah, not, not a bit on the cags, get things burning a little bit. I'm, 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 I'm not going to... No, that was deep heat. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. I still use Vicks to this very day, even now doing the commentary stuff. I suck a bit up the old nose and put a bit around there. Get yeah. to clear things up, the old Vicks. It's it good, does. Good gear. People were looking at me like I'd, you know... I don't know, like I was just strange, like I am. Yeah, I know I'm you weird, are strange. I'm weird, but, uh, standing there before the race, and it's very tight at the City of Surf, like there's 80,000 people running, and you're all walking down the street trying to get... And there was people close, like smelling me Vicks. It was all over me. Yeah, good. And they're giving me the, they're giving me the strange, strange look. And I don't care. I'm running my race. I'm not running your well, race. Well, there you go. West I'm not here to impress you. Where? So piss off. Walk, you know, go somewhere else if you don't want to smell it. Well, there you go. We're three strange cats. We got even stranger. But yeah. Codrill, Vicks, give us a call. Yeah. Sponsor the gossip segment. Love yeah. it. <laughs> gossip. What's cooking, mate? Uh, obviously, like we've said many times at this time, here, there's not a whole lot, but uh, what do you got for us? Mate, there's no uh, no getting past the Hain versus Henry uh, saga, and I'm, apologies if you guys have already spoken about it. And here he goes. Uh, in, in depth, but um, look, here we go, boys, and, and, and we just spoke about it very quickly off air. Um, the solution for me is to get rid of both. But look, I said it a couple of weeks ago, and probably about a month ago, that... Um, that Henry was on the outer. I said he was on the nose. I even said that the Warriors had been in touch with him. I got laughed at that and a bit of abuse on Twitter, which I absolutely love. <laughs> he, he was always gone. He was always gone. It was going to be the end of the year. This whole deal with Hain, all it's done is fast track it. If you believe Buzz Rossfield, he came on NRL 360 and said that they were going to sack him last night, but because of the Thursday game, uh, they're going to keep him on for another week. I don't necessarily believe that. But look, he's as good as gone, and I'm pretty sure that Hayne will follow suit. I think you'll find that the Titans will say to Hayne, you're free to, to negotiate with other clubs, but no other club is going to want him, nor can they afford him. No, exactly, and uh, we spoke about it before. This this is so multi-layered, which is my issue with it, because if Hayne stays there, you're wasting another year. I don't know who you're getting to coach, and no one's going to be able to control him anyway, and your options are very limited at this point in time. And, um, you know, if the only other alternative is to pay him out and get rid of him, because he's definitely going to leave for free. But the current situation they're in, I'm basically trying to do everything I can to get rid of both of them, get a new coach in and try and keep Ashley Taylor. That's the only thing I'm concerned about at the moment. Keeping Ashley Taylor keeping all these other guys, Jarrah Wallace, Pete, Ryan James, Proctor, happy. But the main one there is the seven. If he leaves, if Haynes has gone, if they waste another season and Henry's fired and then Taylor goes back to the Broncos, I reckon they're going to the dark ages. Yeah. Get rid of both of them. Get rid of both of them. There right you go. Now. Get them out. ASAP. Yeah, that's the, that's the only real solution. And, and yeah. what worries me, boys, when you hear things in the, in the media like, Oh, but you know, Haynes got support of his mates, and all the all the coaches got support of some of the players. That stuff just gives me the shit. You're going to end up having a culture like the Warriors, where everyone's a bro. Someone's going to be in there making the hard decisions. Try right. just, just punt both of them. Who cares if they're best mates and all that sort of? Don't give a shit. I mean, yeah, as a Panthers fan, we went through it. I think 2011 when um, we had, I can't remember the coach. Then we punted Elliot, and then we had some other flog after that. Steve George Alice. All the, the Steve George Alice is now at the Bulldogs, I think. But um, all the players got behind him and said, oh, you know, he's our mate, we don't want him to go, we'll strike, we'll do this, that and the other. And then they got Knife and Cleary and they loved him just as much. So yeah. It's not the player's job. <laughs> players play, coaches coach, administrators administrate. And it's simple as that. So, But I'll tell you what, there's a few that can go with, Hayne. Uh, William Zillman, John Olive, Copley, 
Uh, who else? Joe Greenwood, Max King. See you later. Cross, get going. Uh, Petteru, Pulu. Like, there was a tackle that Pulu missed on the weekend. He's going to the Warriors, That mate, seriously, so. like, a blind man could have made a better attempt at a tackle. Like, it was just horrendous. Well, so that he, comes back to coaching. Uh, I don't know. Paterica Vivo, he got knocked out and then kept going and scored a try and got a bit out. I was like, that's what you want. Gus Gould made a very, very good point on his uh, podcast. How many Titans players actually want to play for the Titans? Were brought up as Titans juniors. All of them have just been bought there. No one, There's no real development line there. Guys that have strived to want to play and wear that jersey. No, well, the only, it's just only, a rented jersey. The only history. few juniors are Ryan James, who's been pretty ordinary this year. Brian Kelly, they let go. Yeah, Kane LG. Uh, LG's there. He's coming off an ACL, and they've been terrible. So yeah. it hasn't been a great year for him to come back in. And the only one I can think of who was there long term, they let go to Parrot. I can't remember his name. Um, off the top well, Bodine Thompson, they let him go. He was a he was a junior. No, he was already at Tigers, and that he played there from Kiber Park before you had him. Yeah, but he's from the Gold Coast, is what I'm saying. So he's sort of from that development area. Like it, it wouldn't matter if wouldn't matter if I was a Penrith junior or whatever, and then I had to go somewhere else to get my start and come back. Like you still, that's your home. Well, even look at Proctor. Proctor technically is theirs because he was Palm Beach crumb, and they'll link with it. But he was already with Melbourne. He's from Gold Coast, but part yeah. of Melbourne system. But he's been terrible since he's been there this year as well. Mm. So uh, I don't know. I'm just angry about it, guys. All right, let, let's let's flick the Titans talk. What else yeah. you got for us, champion? <laughs> All right, boys, flogging a dead horse with this one, but we mentioned James Graham uh, last week and that the, the Bulldogs were keen to get rid of him. Finally, his manager, David, David Riolo, came on radio this week and confirmed that the Bulldogs have told him that if you find a better deal, we're happy to let you leave. So what I said last week was true. So, again, those narcs on Twitter who give me shit, it was confirmed by the player manager this week. But, look... What concerns me, James Graham is on $1 million next year at the Bulldogs if he stays. But they just signed Aaron Woods, and he's on 800000 So I just I don't understand that. I, I know who I'd rather. Mate, I went on a rant about it earlier saying, how is it possible that you can lock up the play market when you've got you know him on a million, you've got the Morris brothers on six seven hundred apiece, uh, in Bias supposedly seven fifty, Eastwood on eight hundred. They said he can go, and he said, I'm not going anywhere. I'll just play cup. Yet you can go out and get foreign... New Brown and only let Leisha go. He's already off contract. Upgrade Elliot. Upgrade all these guys. Like, what are they doing? And they're contributing to Cassiano going to Melbourne next year. How is it possible to even come to terms or get contracts in line to be registered with the NRL if you're not even close to cap compliant? It's ridiculous. They're idiots. It makes zero sense. And if you're James Graham, $1 million. I'm going nowhere. Mm. I'm going absolutely nowhere unless someone's picking up. Part of the tab. If he agreed to that money and he took it back in the contract like players do, um, it's their problem. So if they can find Newcastle or someone who no, wants to take they half for a little bit... shouldn't be able to punt all these other players. They shouldn't be able to force all these other players out. It should be last in, first out. They shouldn't be able to have foreign and woods. No, How can you go I mean. and buy players when, you've, when you're over the cap? But that's what I was talking about earlier. How's this fair to Newcastle or any of these guys? But my issue is if, if players don't want to go to your club or they're only going for money, you don't want them there anyway. But that's my worry at this situation. Like the, the Woods one's not as big an issue because he said he likes Cleary. He might want to stay and he might be willing to take a little bit less now. But it's not the point. Kieran Foran, if Kieran Foran basically the Warriors thing was just a year to rebuild and go out there and get some cash. Um, Foran to the Gold Coast. If someone, oh, God, have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> at this point in time, I'm more just dumbfounded how they can get these guys and even have contracts waiting to register. You shouldn't be able to make any offers unless you're cap compliant. Correct. Simple. Um, but there's a logjam. And until now. everyone's salary is public knowledge, you're never going to know. It's a to- and while ever they've got all these third parties murky in the waters, no one's ever going to know either. It's a crock of shit. <sighs> Don't get angry, mate. Yeah. James Gray. Yeah, yeah. 
Fair enough. Oh, dear. Two clubs we're sick of talking about. The Titans yeah. and the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs. Yeah. Well, last week, boys, I, I touched on Adam Blair and that my money was that he was at the Warriors. One of those sporting websites, I can't remember what it's called, came out today and said he's going to the Knights. For my money, that's incorrect. I believe he signed a four-year deal with the Warriors, which is crazy. The one that will, uh, a spanner that will throw in the works is that the Warriors owner, whose mind skips me at the moment because I left my notes in the car. Um, oh, Eric Watson. Yes, he's about to pull the pin on the, the Warriors by the looks of things, so the Warriors look like they're in deep, deep pull. Yeah, well, I saw that he's trying to sell um, Eric Watson, and I read exactly what you were telling us last week, mate. Apparently four years, $2.5 million for Adam yes. Blair. Adam Blair, Crazy. two like if you're breaking that down, season, that that's that, 625 if yeah. you average it out, but that's insanity. Um, yeah. That's the Warriors for you though, isn't it, really? Oh, when they were saying Newcastle, I was even surprised. I thought, like Brock said, maybe to get someone in who's a bit angry and try and, you know, rough up those well, young blokes it, a bit. If you can't or, get anyone else and it's a short-term thing, I get a, it. A mentor. Yeah, you sort of but, spend that money. Or you know, yeah, but they're not going to spend that kind of money on him. But $2.5 million, like the Warriors, what are you thinking? you mm. got him and Toby. They're basically going to have the Kiwi side there and they're all just going to go backwards. That's the you just. And speaking of poor clubs, we just talk about the Titans and the Bulldogs at the moment, the Warriors... Right now, those three down the bottom, they should have. They should be given the spoon. One of those three, they've been awful. But wow, that's just insane, mate. They should just kick them all out of the comp for you. Two point five million over four years for Adam Blair. He's thirty one at the moment. So He'll have, be a, have a think about how shit they all are. Wow, how poorly run. They should just have to play each other yeah. in a round robin for well, next all of next season. <laughs> good luck to the Warriors if they're going to give him a four year deal worth that much. We've already seen the result of a lot of deals they've given to uh, Kiwi players heading back to play for the Warriors. That's right. Yeah, exactly. All right, boys, last one for the night. My old favourite, Tyrone Roberts. We've mentioned him a couple of times over the past month and where he's going to go. He did get that massive offer from the Wolves in the UK. He's knocked that back. Um, the Titans haven't really offered him too much at all, but he is in talks with the Broncos, I'm hearing. This one's more of a question than anything for you, Boxhead. Do you want to keep him at the Titans? Or yes, have to see him I want to keep him. Well, That's a surprise. Yeah. How the fuck are the Broncos going to sign him? <laughs> where do they get the money from? It's just like, how does this work? How does that work? Can yeah. someone... With, 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 seriously, without without a biased notion and without a sarcastic notion, because there's plenty of them on Twitter and on Facebook, could someone explain to me how the hell that a team that's in the top four can be pillaging a team that's at the bottom for players? I just don't get it. Yeah. In a salary cap where things are supposed to be even. Someone who's, you know, started in the halves, played I just don't fullback, get it, man. played hooker. And, you know, this is another one I look at and I was going to say about the Taylor thing. If him and Ash Taylor are best mates, you want to keep him right now. I'm getting to the point where I just, you just don't want to support a team. You just go, well, my team's never going to be good. Yeah, well, I see the stuff you talk about all the time. The other day I was whinging about Melbourne again about next year. How are they getting Cassiano or someone like, well, okay, let's forget that Proctor was released at the start of the year, that Tohu Harris is leaving, that Cooper oh, Cronk just retired. Like, that's different in the fact that know, they pay guys unders and they get more out of them. They, yeah, they but, produce, but this is just... Yeah, the Broncos and third parties, we spoke about it before. Oh, Don't take a shot at, at some clubs, though, but they, it's just ridiculous. And they're one in particular that... And their uh, fans get a little bit defensive yeah. about it. Like, I don't have anything against their fans. No. Like, I don't like the Broncos because of the Titans-Broncos rivalry, but I respect the Broncos. Yeah. I don't have anything against them, but... but to keep just all... to look at this and go, how is this? How is how is this making yeah. your competition transparent, equal, Hunt, and fair? Hunt didn't free That's up. That's what the cap's in there for, isn't it? Hunt didn't free up as much money as everyone's talking about. You've upgraded Milford. You bought Jack Bird. You've kept Nicarima. You're upgrading Boyd, and they go, oh, "We've lost Monga. Monga signed for nothing because he's barely been playing." Asaisi had to leave the Dogs and New South Wales Cup to go out and they get a run. He's leaving for nothing. If Blair leaves, he's not on close to what they're talking about already. So. 
you can't keep upgrading everybody, lose a few fringe players, and then go buy someone who's probably worth two fifty. Arrow, who we would have paid more for than what they were yeah, paying. Yeah, he would have been on zilch. He would have been barely minimum wage to join the top squad. Yeah, so. we lost David Mead to them last year. We lost James Roberts to them the year before that. He got like, upgraded. There's another one. Yeah, how do you, like how does it work? Yeah, it's a bit unfair. Alright here, we're moving on to the tips brought to you by WilliamHill.com If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport make sure you do it with William Hill The NFL's coming back soon as well Looking forward to having a punt on that Bring box Bring it on With Will Hill And don't forget the uh, the daily bet boost Don't mind it on a Saturday when there's a, a horse or a dog You can mm. get uh, a bit of a price there on one and boost it up a bit But bet with William Hill Got no a little one bit of an issue with some of the Well, I'm not going to call out anyone But the betting agencies. From a the, the first penalty right. try. Yeah, let me get this off my chest. Anyone right. that also had a bet on Suliasi Vunavalu to score first try on the weekend, you got robbed. Got robbed. I'm waiting for the money to land in my account, and no, they paid out Luke Keary because apparently Luke Keary scored the first try, which was clearly the fucking second try. You didn't get the money on a technicality. On a technicality. On so fuck. because because Vunavalu didn't physically score the try, he wasn't the first try scorer. Wow. Technically, they didn't pay it out, and there's no, there's no, uh, there's zero on the markets that warn you that if it's a penalty try, the bet's null and void. Well, they should have to pay it then, and they didn't. There's no conditions for it; they have to pay. Surely, they get angry. Start a, start a class. I just don't need it. Like it's just going from bad to worse. Like yeah. It's not helping. I have to watch the Titans play. It was seriously the game after the Titans game. Every, everybody it? out there, they've wanted to go fund me for a mate. Maybe we can go fund you for your first try score. We'll get, we'll get two go it's fund not, it's, not about the money. <laughs> it's not about the money. It's just you have a bet in good faith, and they take the money right. away on a technicality that they don't even advertise right. when, you, when you're making a bet. It's betting. There's no good faith. It's all about making cash. Good on you, William Hill. Love your work. Moving. No, it's not so much about Not William Hill. It's all of them. No, They're all the same. We're not knocking William Hill. We love William Hill. Yeah. William Hill's the bestest, mate. Fuck they get on board here, this segment. But the tips last week, uh, we both got six. Box said you got four. You had a few yeah, stabs in the dark. Yeah, so, uh, he's on 100. I'm on 102. And Gossip, he's still well out there, 108. We got close for a week or two. He's now uh, yeah. he, he's streaking away here. But we'll see what happens. Team lists out. The first game we have, it is the Eels versus the Titans. Nothing is going to make me tip the Titans, usually after drama. Uh, they play well. I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, I'll stick with the Eels to bounce back. Yeah, Eels. Yeah, they've got a win after losing to the Knights. Shane Hain won't play. Um, like the senior player gives his old club. And his what one he play? Yeah, no, hasn't he got a real fake some bullshit injury? Well, they've, they've got him named, and apparently they were doing a test today on the ankle because he left the game in a moon boot. So he is a chance. But <laughs> looking at the backups they've got named here, uh, they've got LG as the 14, so you'd assume if he's out, Roberts, that, uh, goes, Roberts goes back to fullback. And Philip Sammy, who hasn't been named in the extended squad, good 20s kid who's played first grade, he plays wing, you know so what? fullback. If Hayne doesn't play, we win. Probably. You might have a dig for, you might have a dig for once. Maybe. Seriously. Uh, but, yeah, Philip Sammy's there as a backup also. Uh, Did anyone watch the Eels play last week? Bevan French, he's back for the Eels oh. as well. So, looking at this one, we're a clean sweep on the Eels with William Hill. They're a favourite, $1.20. Two about them there. The line in this one with the Titans uh, is minus 12.5, and, and the Titans are $4.40. Uh, 1 to 12 Eels, three ten five fifty for the Titans. 13 plus Eels, $1.91, 13 for the Titans. The second game, you got Souths and the Warriors, two teams that aren't involved in the finals. Another stinker. Uh, as far as the uh, Rabbitohs are concerned, Burgess Semi, he's starting at prop. You got Crichton returning to the back row and Musgrove. He's back to the bench. Madalino, he got suspended, so he's out. 
Charlie Gubb comes into the side and Kieran Foran is supposed to return. Uh, I'll be sticking with Souths the rabbits, way they've been playing. Rabbits, rabbits, rabbits. Yeah, they're doing what they did last year. The Rabbits think they won their last four in a row or something in the last year. And they're going to do the same thing. So, yeah, bunnies for me. Yeah, sticking with them. And with William Hill, $1.36 for the Bunnies, three twenty for the Warriors. Minus 8.5 is the line. 1 to 12, Souths, three ten four fifty for the Warriors. 13 plus, Souths, two thirty eight fifty for the Warriors. Broncos, Dragons, hopefully uh, a good game. They've got a pretty good record up there. Not of more recent, but uh, over my memory, the Dragons. But uh, as far as the Broncos are concerned, there's no changes there. Ben Hunt likely to come off the bench after 15-20 like he has been. They had a scare today, apparently, at training, but um, they've got it scans on his arm. He had an arm injury wrestling. They've cleared that. The Dragons, they're also uh, with 1-17, to but there's a chance, I thought I read today, that Packer was going to be back, but I don't see him in the extended squad, so that's not going to be happening. I'll stick with the Broncos, but I hope that the Dragons give a decent account of themselves because mm. I'm sick of saying so many blowout games. I think Broncos will drill them. They were good last week, Brisbane, and uh, I don't think uh, the Dragons are, are up to it. Yeah, hard to get a read on the Dragons against the Titans last week, and they got belted the week before against the Knights. So, yeah, you got to go to the Broncos. Yeah, and in particular, we spoke about it before. So dangerous on the edges at the moment. The Broncos now easily the Titans scored down that left edge uh, for the Dragons. Uh, they better tighten up this week and. William Hill agrees. A dollar thirty for the Broncos, three sixty for the Dragons. Minus nine and a half is the line. One to twelve Brisbane, three dollars four seventy five for the Dragons. Thirteen plus two twenty Broncos, nine dollars for the Dragons. Knights versus the Storm. I kind of hope that Melbourne might have rested some players over the next week or two, but they've done the complete opposite. Glasby is out of the side, but Munster he's back in at five eight, and they've even got Tohu back on the extended squad. Uh, Smith, I'm not sure about his pack, but even he's been named. So um, they're going all guns blazing by a look of things here. And Newcastle are unchanged. I think they'll give a good account of themselves, but of course I'm going to stick with Melbourne. Yeah, Storm. Yeah, Storm. They've won a couple against the Storm over the past four or five years. Um, remember they won down in Melbourne um, yeah. about three or four years ago. But um, yeah, they'll give a good account of themselves. Like they, they may even lose at half time, like they've done plenty of times this year, but I think the Storm will be too good. But. Uh, I like their confidence in the uh, press conference this week. They're very confident. <laughs> yeah, well, they always play well. You're right, they play well. They didn't have a good uh, game against them earlier in the year, but different circumstances now. They've got their tails up, so hopefully the young blokes give a good account of themselves. But with William Hill, Melbourne, $1.20 favourites in this one, four sixty five for the Knights, 12.5 is the line. So if you think a 1-12 to game, uh, you can take that there. 1-12 to for the Knights, five seventy five three dollars $3 for the Storm. 13-plus Newcastle, $13, $1.91 for the Storm. Roosters, Tigers, uh, no changes here again. But Michael Gordon, sorry, he's back. So Connor Watson moves back to the bench. And I'm going to ask you two, after what you've seen of Connor Watson at fullback, would you have stuck with him? I know they need a goal no, kicker. I would have stuck. Um, put but, Gordon you want Gordon in. straight back in? Yep. I, I think Watson's been really good. But, um, yeah, I, I thought Gordon was good beforehand. But, yeah, I, I didn't expect that from Connor Watson, that's for sure. But hmm. uh, Ryan Madison and Mitchell Orbison, they remain in the centres. So uh, I don't really know what's going on there. That's a little bit weird. Blake Ferguson, shoulders all good. Tiger side, Chris Lawrence, he returns to the back row. Cheekham to the bench and Alloway out of this one. The Roosters need to win uh, to hold into the top four. They've still a, a win clear of a couple other sides, but I expect them to win this week. Roosters. Yeah, Roosters haven't been uh, all that impressive over the past couple of weeks, but it's a danger game for the Chooks. It really is. I'm tempted almost to tip the Tigers, really. Um, but I'll, I'll stick with the Roosters. I'm not a knob, but it'll be a close one. 
I agree 100%. I'm just looking at the last few weeks. They had a tough one against the Cowboys. Uh, you know, they got Friend and Cordner back this week. Uh, last week, they had a tough one against Melbourne and just came up short. And obviously, the, the Manly one was a blip on the radar. But three teams that are all in the top eight at the moment, I expect them to win this one. And Tigers, again, will give a good account of themselves. But uh, heavy favourites with WilliamHill.com are the Roosters, $1.22, $4.40 for the Tigers. And again, 12.5 start if you're confident uh, on the Tigers with a. a you know, getting the points there in the, in the 1-12 to market. You've got the Roosters. They are 310-550 for the Tigers. 13-plus for the Roosters, $1.91. 13 uh, for the Tigers. Cowboys-Cronulla, a game that you would have thought would have been a cracker, but all the injuries that the Cowboys have suffered, they're hurting right now, and the Sharks have just hit an absolute flat spot and need to find some form very, very fast. Justin O'Neill, he's out with that elbow. Sean Fensom's knee is bung as well, so he's gone skis. They've got Callum Ponga coming in. John Asiata starting a prop, and Tamari Martin returns at 5'8". Have they kept Pat Mago on the bench? They sure have. He was very, very good on debut last week. On the shark side of things, they're unchanged, but Jaden Braley has been included in the extended reserve. So interesting to see what happens there. Uh, this one is, I reckon, the hardest one to tip this round. Mm, I'm going to tip Cronulla, but uh, yeah. the last chance almost. I really want to tip the Cowboys because they've given such a good account of themselves, but I'm looking at the reshuffle and yeah, it's very, very hard. I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to stick with the Sharks purely because this is basically the last chance to bounce back and the Cows are hurting, but if the Cows win, I'm not going to be surprised at all. No. Yeah, I'm going the Cows, boys. I thought they were the better team from probably 65 minutes against the Panthers. Uh, a few injuries got away from them, but um, I think Ponga playing, I think that's a, a yeah. spark for them. Pong is on the on the wing, and they've got uh, Jarvid Bowen pushing to that centre spot for O'Neill. Yeah, I think if Pong had played against Penrith, it might have been a different story. Um, I didn't see the the um, lower grade games. Apparently, he carved it up as well, scored three tries. So, um, yeah, we're going to the Cowboys. Yeah, and a bit of uh, injury cloud still over Lachlan Coote. He hurt his ankle on that one. They reckon he may not get through the week, so he may end up playing at fullback in this one. And, uh, the extended reserves, I see Anari Tuala. He's a good kid who plays wing centre in their under-20s. He might end up making his debut if Coote doesn't make it through the week. But with WilliamHill.com, they're the outsiders, the Cowboys. They're two thirty-seven, a dollar sixty for the Sharks. Minus four is the line. One to twelve cows, three sixty-three dollars. Sharks thirteen plus cows, six dollars three ten for the Sharkies. The game of the round, one that I'm really looking forward to. It is the Raiders against the Panthers. The Raiders need to keep winning. They've won three in a row now. The Panthers, I've lost count of the bloody wins. I know people bring it up all the time. How many in a row? Six, isn't it? Um, still, again, I don't want to keep taking shots, and people probably think I hate them, but the Manly one I wasn't impressed with, and I wasn't impressed with them beating the Cowboys side that lost uh, a lot of players in that game on the weekend. So uh, I think it'll be close. What happened to Peter Wallace? Broken yeah. hand. They've got him out. He's yeah, got a broken hand. hand. Gone. Oh, has he got, he's got Katawa starting, and he doesn't have Mitch Rain in the side. Yeah, I'm tipping Canberra. Yeah, I'm going the Raiders after reading that. I think Canberra owned one anyway for Bathurst, so uh, that, yep. that'll be fresh on the mind, I think, for the Raiders. Yeah, they're playing a lot yep. better at the moment as well. It's taken them all year to figure out uh, that they've got to settle things down, win the middle first, and they've been doing that the last few weeks. So uh, I'll be going Canberra as well. Yeah, forget the six they've just won. This, this, this is the game that already tests the Panthers. They're against the side that knocked them out of the finals last year. So it's a real deal. They're going to win this weekend, but don't think they will. I'll back Canberra. Yeah, and uh, I'm still dumbfounded by a lot of decisions, but Mitch Rain not starting over Katoa after the way he played in this few games, that's got me a little bit confused. But 
Uh, the odds there, the Raiders are the favourites with William Hill, $1.56, 245 The Panthers, minus 4.5 is the line. 1-12 Raiders, $3, $3.75. Panthers, 13-plus Raiders, $2.90, $6.50 for the Panthers. And the last game of the round, absolutely terrible. The Bulldogs uh, have to watch them again, unfortunately. And Manly, uh, they need to bounce back. They blew that one last week. Brad Parker is out. Um, apparently, he's ACL on the weekend. The poor bugger. So, Brian Kelly comes into the centre spot. With the Dogs, you've got Reynolds out. Cassiano is out as well. Uh, they've got Matt Frawley coming into the halves. Adam Elliott is starting in the back row. And Fytel Amarana back to the bench. And Leisha is on the bench. So, instead of breaking the mould and trying something different, Desi's not going to play Josh Cleland. He's not going to bring in anyone else. Uh, dead set. Well, it's a must win for Manly. Put it that way, they'll win. It's this is very very simple. Any just refusing to make any changes. I'm I'm dumbfounded. I really am dumbfounded. Um, yeah. Oh dear yeah. God. How, how about six, seven, and nine? Frawley, Stanley, and Lisa. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 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 Honestly, that's terrible. But look, Manly, uh, they've uh, put in some shitty ass performances of the past month. They. The goal line defence is absolutely horrendous, so anything's possible, but you know, I, I can't check the dogs with that spine. No, well, Hopawato, he tries hard at fullback, but he belongs in the centres. Matt Frawley's been ordinary. Josh Cleland's scored 13 tries in Cup and the genuine six. Stanley's in seven. You should put Frawley there because that's actually his position. And Mbai at nine, just put him at fullback, give him a crack for the last couple of games, at least have a look. But they're just dishing up the same old, same old on. Um, I'm dumbfounded with the Bulldogs. So we're all on Manly and William Hill. They definitely agree with that as well. $1.28 are the Sea Eagles. The Dogs, $3.75. Minus 10.5 is the line. $1 to $12 dogs, $5. $3 Manly. 13 plus dogs, $10. And $2.10 for Manly. So we're looking at this one. We've all tipped exactly the same except the Sharks and Cowboys game, which uh, could go either way. But the Sharks definitely need to wake up. The Cowboys been so tough this year, but... Tip and comp with a couple of weeks left. It's looking like it's almost done, mate. It's not done. Oh, he's, oh, he's hanging on. Going to have to start. Gonna we swung ha- it back over a couple of weeks there. It's yeah, I know, but we got within two. You're now eight out. I'm six out. It's, it's looking like it's gossips. Yeah, I was eight out a long time ago. Oh, I can come back. Oh, well, we'll see how we end up. But a big thanks to William Hill. What are you going to do? Destroy the toweling like Jared Hayne? Mate. Hey. You're going to stop playing? Don't start throwing mate. swords, mate. Yeah, come I'm on. I'm just saying. You're saying it's over. Yeah. We'll see what I'm happens. I'm saying I ain't fucking surrendering. Yeah, you don't surrender then. But a big thanks to WilliamHill.com. If you can have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Gossip. Cheers as always, champion. See what happens with the Penny Panthers on the weekend. But we're all on the Raiders. They need to win to keep their finals hopes alive. But really looking forward to that one. Yeah, it'll show me if the Panthers are the real deal this year. If they lose this... Um that's a good night. I mean, look, you've got to finish top four in reality anyway, don't you? And the Panthers still have a shot at that. They've got to win all their games. And this is probably the hardest of their last three. So they win this. Happy days. But uh, we'll see how they go. 100%, mate. Good talking here. We'll speak to you next week. Fantastic. See you, mate. See you, mate. mate. And that wraps us up here for another week on the fifth and last NRL podcast. Thank you for all your questions. Thank you for listening. Absolutely massive show make sure you rate and review us on itunes that would greatly be appreciated and any feedback feel free to inbox us on the page or ask us any questions at any time only three weeks left until the finals begin let's see how things unfold this weekend enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league bring it on give us more give us more where are you going where, what, 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 what's going on here
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.